The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. <laughs> I told you guys, I told you that this defense can do some special things. And they did do some special things on Tuesday night. It was absolutely a huge, absolute, huge win for this university, for this program, for this team. Bowling Green, for the first time since 2008, the year I graduated high school, The year I graduated high school was the last time that Bowling Green beat Toledo in Toledo. And finally, in the snow, in the cold, Bowling Green gets the job done in a come-from-behind fashion to win the game. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. They beat Toledo at home at the Glass Bowl with Barstool Sports in attendance. Unbelievable. Ohio State, a huge win over Indiana. Yours truly can cross the stadium off the bucket list. Michigan being Michigan. The Lions are on a winning streak while the Browns are struggling and now are going to be playing in Detroit this weekend. The Jackets can beat Philadelphia, lose to the Islanders, and are in front late here in the third period against the Montreal Canadiens while the Walleye can't still find the home cooking. They can win on the road, but they can't. Win at the bank tank. And the final LPGA event is happening this weekend. We'll dive into that. Do you have your turkey set out yet for one week from today? Is it thawed out? Because I'm thawed out now from Tuesday. It's a championship battle of I-75 edition of all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span. I'm going to shut out. Dumbino. Hip to a home run. Come on. Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for All Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys, and welcome in to this special celebratory 
champion battle of i-75 championship edition of all andy alfred right here on your exclusive home for me and that is with the anchor network and you are listening to me today on the plethora of platforms with the anchor network whether it be on itunes spotify google Podcasts, pocket cast bleaker stitcher however you are listening wherever whenever you're listening Thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight as you're being a part of this special edition of All Andy Alford as we celebrate this big accomplishment for the Bowling Green State University Falcon football team. And thank you for tuning into the show to hear what's happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. As you can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alford. It is at all Andy Alford, as well as Facebook.com slash all Andy Alford. And welcoming you into the show tonight on this, the 17th day of November 2022. Man, you know, we are 36 hours after the after the win, now almost 48 hours after the win, and I am just absolutely still ecstatic and shocked. A lot to get into the program tonight, of course, um, but first and foremost, uh, we want to thank you, the fans, for get, tuning into our podcast each week. Uh, our ratings have been up. I am very, very pleased. I am very, very happy that you guys have found us uh, for your coverage of Bowling Green football, as well as Mid-American Conference football, as well as your Toledo Walleye, as well as Columbus Blue Jacket information. Uh, I thank you so much for tuning in and listening also to what's happening in my life as well. Uh, you're a part of the journey. You are always a part of the journey. And uh, for the bottom of my heart, I say thank you. Thank you so, so much for tuning in to the show. Uh, but what we witnessed on Tuesday night was something... I, I I just I am just shocked and I couldn't believe I just honestly couldn't believe I was cry uh, I was crying I was ecstatic I was I was jumping up and down I was celebrating it was it was absolutely it was something something that I will remember for the rest of my life uh, it was one of those events in your life in your sports life that you'll never forget. Uh, 2019, being there to see them win against Toledo in person at Doit Perry Stadium, that was one thing. But this, this was absolutely unbelievable. I was very, very, uh, very, very moved. I was crying. I was jumping up and down. I slid. I, uh, if you see, if you're friends of mine on Facebook, and we'll, we'll, we're going to share the video because of what happened. Because I, I think you would be very, 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 very shocked and very, very happy. You know, very, very happy. Because, you know, a lot of people look at me and say, you know, why did you go to Bowling Green? You know, you know, why did you not go to Toledo? Well, Bowling Green had the better sports options. They had the journalism program. They had the telecommunications program that I was looking for that Toledo didn't offer as much. And I decided to go with Bowling Green. And I've always wanted to be a Falcon. Uh, I started off at Owens. And then I moved. And then I transferred my credits that I took 
to Bowling Green, and I finished my my collegiate career at Bowling Green. And I've always had a special connection with the university as well as with uh, the sports department and the athletic department and with my time at with the Bowling Green Radio Sports Organization. And for me, Tuesday's win was just the culmination of everything. To come full circle. To being, you know, being that kid who was always razzed and teased upon for being a Bowling Green fan by you, the Toledo Rocket fans. To hear the FBG chant during the Barstool Sports and have that happen, it was just and the student section saying it during the game when the Falcons were warming up, I felt like that was a little bit of a motivator for them. And overall, just to see this team prevail in in the way that they did was just was just absolutely amazing. Was just absolutely amazing. And, and you know, the weather, of course, like I mentioned before, you know, I was I'm thawed out finally from it. It was cold. It was snowy. It was drizzly. It was maxion weather. It was cold. It was miserable. But it was, you know, a great crowd. Honestly, a great crowd. And and I'll get to an Andy rant later on in the program. What what Dave Briggs wrote a column on today about this rivalry. I'll get into that in just a second. But for me, this game meant so much it means so much to this community and it means so much to i i like this rivalry more than ohio state michigan and i'll be honest with you because this is two mid-major programs that's why they call it mid-america two mid-american conference opponents that are separated by only 20 minutes 20 to 30 minutes it's community members that have stayed with this, that have gone to both universities, that has made this rivalry great. The whole rocket at the glass bowl pointing to the 50-yard line at the at the BGSU 50. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because both teams came out on... Tuesday night, and played their heart out. They honestly played their heart out. And to say early on, this game was just, it was just amazing. Bowling Green won the toss. They deferred to the second half. Both teams had Three and outs to start out the game. But Bowling Green found the momentum in the first quarter. As Matt McDonald connected to O.J. Hilaire for a 25-yard touchdown pass. Lawler with the kick at 7-0. Toledo comes back on an offense. It's a punt. Bowling Green recover, gets the punt. Six plays, 68 yards. They drive it down the field. And the key thing to this whole play is that bench 
was there. And the big the big play, of course. I mean, the punt was terrible. Was set up at the 50-yard line. And the pass from Hilaire, I mean, Odu Hilaire had a absolutely fantastic game. Fantastic game. And the first play from possession, he gets a 50-yard pass to the Toledo 18, and Andrew Bench completes it a few plays later by going into the end zone for a three-yard touchdown. It's 14-0. 14-0. Okay. Okay. And that's after one quarter play. And then, so then they go for another three and out. Toledo, Toledo BG's defense, again, we, we talk about this, how good their defense is. Goes for another three and out, and Patrick Day blocks the punt. Blocks the punt, picks it up into the end zone. It's 21-0 Bowling Green. And BG, I said it in the stands with my wife and her friends there. Bowling Green was stepping on the Rockets' throat. You finish the job. No matter what the situation is, you finish the job. When you've got your opponent down on the mat, you finish the job. But the problem was this, towards the end of the first half. BG's defense was uh, start, felt like they were a little fatigued. And they were letting Gleason run up the gut. He runs it up, runs most of the play in the second quarter. Gleason ran it off of the interception from Matt McDonald. Gleason gets the pass, gets the football. He runs it in for five yards for a touchdown. It's 7-21-7. Three and out for BG. Then Toledo capitalizes. Mika Kelly getting the four-yard pass from Gleason. Clucky with the kick. It's 21-14. Now you have, it ends half, Bowling Green gets the football to end the first half. They get it down there. Can't capitalize. And at the break, it's 21-14. And I'm saying to myself, okay, now we're seven, there's seven points behind. We just gotta keep keep playing. Three and out, a three and out for Bowling Green drives it down the field. Lawler kicks the field goal, thirty nine yarder into the stiff win. It's 24-14. Toledo then takes the football, goes down the field. Gets down there. Gleason gets the pass to Namir Blinkinson for 28 yards. He gets popped hard. 
He has a concussion. He drops the football. Bowling Green recovers it from their own two-yard line. No call for a targeting. And they and Candle brings up tension to it in this presser. We'll, we'll play it for here in just a second. But a three and out for Bowling Green. Then it turns into Toledo driving it down the field from their own 39-yard line. They drive it down. Third and third three from the BG3. Gleason throws it. It's intercepted. BG then drives it down the field for nine plays, 62 yards. Three minutes and 54 seconds off the clock. It turns into a field goal for Mason Lawler, which is from the, B, from the Toledo 17. And the big play, of course, was from was from McDonald to O'Hare for 48 yards to the Toledo 28. And he was having a game. He was having a game. It Lawler with the kick. It's 27-14. So a 13-point lead. A two-score lead for Bowling Green. Toledo gets the football back. Another punt. Punt for Bowling Green. They get another possession. It's a punt. But then the fourth quarter happens. And Toledo drives it down the field. And Jamal Turner gets the two-yard pass from, from Gleason. It's 27-21. Now I'm sitting there in the stadium thinking to myself, you know, oh my God, you know, please don't give this up. Wife gets cold. We're sitting in the stands. We're get, She's cold. We decide to leave. I said, all right, I, I don't know how this game is going to end. I want to leave. So I get back to the house. Just in time for Odu Hilaire to get the 59-yard touchdown pass from Matt McDonald. Makes it 34-21. And I'm saying to myself, this one's almost in the bag. This one's almost in the bag. But I jinxed myself. I jinxed myself. And Juwan Newton gets a three-yard pass from Tucker Gleason. It's 34-28. Now I'm like, oh God, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Please don't do this. Bowling Green then drives down the field. Gets the field from the 30 from the field goal from the they get the football from their own 24 a punt. Toledo then drives it down the field from their own 29-yard line. Gleason from Maddox for 28. Gleason then to Juwan Newton for 29 yards to the BG1. They called it a touchdown. They call it back. And BG then lets Gleason run it in for one yard for a touchdown with 51 seconds left to go in the game. And I'm saying to myself, oh, no. This is how, and this is how it is. 
as us Falcon fans, we feel like this is this is how every game of this season goes. We get close and we fall apart. And Toledo take took the lead 35-34. We then go to the last 50 seconds of this game. Clucky kicks it off to Every. He returns it to the 20 to BG 28. So it's first and 10 from the BG 28. McDonald then gets sacked at the line. Loss of five to the BG 23. McDonald then's pass is incomplete. It sets up third down after the timeout. And then. McDonald then gets the pass to Christian Sims for 35 yards to the Toledo 42. And I'm saying to myself, all we need is a field goal. All we need is a field goal. First down. First and 10 for the Toledo 42. Incomplete. Matt McDonald, second attempt. Incomplete. And then this happened. Toledo may bring pressure here. Four-man rush. McDonald steps up. In trouble. Throws downfield. Caught! Inside the 30, to the 20, to the 15, to the 10. It's to Ron Keith. He breaks the tackle and scores! Touchdown, BGSU! With nine seconds to go! To Ron Keith, are you kidding me? To Ron Keith. With nine seconds left to go. In the ball game, gets the pass from McDonald and scores from 42 yards. The two point conversion, the pass to Tehran again, converts. 42 35. Toledo takes it, takes the kickoff. Gleason. Pass to Junior Vaughn is complete at the 18-yard line. It's over. And for the first time since 2008, the Bowling Green State University Falcons defeat the University of Toledo by the score of 42-35. to On Believable. Unbelievable. It was absolutely unbelievable, ladies and gentlemen. I was jumping up and down. I was crying. It was absolutely beautiful. The conditions were terrible. It was snowy. It was wet. But it was one of those games that I will remember for the rest of my life. And if you're a Falcon fan, you will remember this day. You will remember that game for the rest of your life. BG, 42-35 wins, win over the University of Toledo. The overall stats look like this. Matt McDonald, 20 for 36 for 395 total yards, 
four TDs, one interception, his QBR a 74.9, as Patterson had 15 carries in the game for 49 yards. O.J. Hilaire, eight catches, 246 yards, two TDs. The big one, Teron Keith, five catches, 64 yards, one TD. Christian Sims, one catch, 35 yards. Finn Jr., two catches, 26 yards. C.J. Lewis, two catches, 14 yards. Andrew Bench, one catch, three yards, one TD in the game. For Toledo, it was Tucker Gleason, 22 for 40 for 329 yards, three TDs, two interceptions. His QBR, a 66.9. He also was the leading rusher for Toledo with 17 carries for 106 yards, two TDs. Kelly, 16 carries, 20 yards, no TDs. Uh, C, three catches, 79 yards. Maddox, three catches, 77 yards. Newton, four catches, 54 yards, one TD. Turner, three catches, 22 yards, one TD. Kelly, four catches, 21 yards. The overall team stats look like this. Toledo had 24 first downs to Bowling Green's 14. BG on third down, 6 for 15. Toledo, 6 for 17 on third down. They were a perfect 4 for 4 on fourth down. Uh, total yards, Bowling Green had 456 total yards of offense to Toledo's 482. Passing-wise, Beachy had 395 through the air, 61 on the ground. Of the 482 for the Rockets, they had 329 through the air, 153 on the ground. Beachy had 12 penalties for 110 yards. I have to clean that up a little bit better. Toledo, five penalties, 40 yards. But here's where they won the game. Three turnovers for the Rockets. One fumble, two interceptions. The interception, one interception was thrown by Matt McDonald. Toledo led at a time of possession, 31 minutes, 51 seconds. To Bowling Green's 28 minutes and 9 seconds. But it does not matter because the battle of I-75 trophy comes back to Wood County as Bowling Green with the big 42-35 win. Over the University of Toledo. This I, I'll say it again. This team has got something going. This team has got something going. The attendance for the game, 20,027. The glass bowl seats, 26,038. So a good sized crowd on hand, 77% filled. The overall team line was Toledo by 15. The over-under was 46.5 in this game. So there's that for you. So... I mean, this is a huge win for the university. This is a absolutely a huge win, a huge win for this university, for this program. And to be honest with you now, I have to eat crow. I think you've got to keep Scott Leffler as the coach. He rallied the troops, got him going. And to be honest with you, I think Bowling Green's got the right man for the job in a lot of aspects. He rallied this team. He got this team up for this game. And to me, he deserves all the credit for this win. But the players deserve more of the credit because their will to win. The TWTW, the will to win, was strong. They didn't give up like they usually do when they were down, giving up that game. They touchdown to give Toledo the lead they stood their ground they battled back and they succeeded I mean Teron Keith was he will live in lore 
in Bowling Green. Put his name and Oju Hilaire into the Bowling Green Hall of Fame right now for what they did in this game. And for what he did and what they've done for this, the passing core of this team. And Matt McDonald deserves a lot of credit for this game. Absolutely deserves a lot of credit for this game. But this game means more to this community than anything else. And the W will fly in Wood County until Tuesday when they play Ohio. But this win and the trophy will stay in Wood County for the next 364 days. Or whenever the next time that these two teams will play. And the next time they play will be in Wood County. Will it be a Saturday? You'll hear my thoughts on that. But it's time to hear from both coaches. Now, this is the only time of year that you'll hear both the Toledo coach and the Bowling Green coach. We'll start first with Jason Candle. You'll hear his post-game comments after the game, and then we will hear from Coach Scott Leffler as Bowling Green defeats the University of Toledo by a score of 42 to 35. Here is Coach Candle. And after Coach Candle, we'll hear from the head coach of our Bowling Green State University Falcons, Scott Leffler. You know, tough rivalry game. Never want to lose to those guys. And, you know, a couple really gritty, tough performances by a couple of our players tonight that I thought Tucker Gleason stepped up, did a really, really good job in his role tonight and led us on some tough drives in the, in the second half. And, you know, uh, no, just didn't make enough plays when we needed to. A couple, a couple of self-inflicted things, turnovers, came back to haunt us again, and uh, you know didn't get a stop at the end when we needed to there. So um, that being said, I'll take your questions. Jason, just how much does it sting losing your rival, obviously, in, in the circumstances, you know, on the final second? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think a great football game to watch. Um, you know, obviously a lot of momentum swings and a lot of back and forth there in the second half and you know to, to take the lead and to get up and to you know you, you know you always have to you got to play all 60 minutes and you know that's that's uh, we've won these type of games and you know to lose that one in the end and especially to against those guys that's uh, that one that one's gonna hurt you guys I mean you look at the offensive stats and they are pretty good but how big of an issue do you think these defensive line and the pressure they have yeah, I mean, early on, I thought that was, a, you know, in the first quarter that our slow start on offense had a lot to do with that front. And I knew that front was a good front going in. I think Carl Brooks is a really good football player. Um, you know, we didn't do a good enough job on him to start the game. And, uh, you know, once we got into a little bit of rhythm, I think, and we were able to play with some tempo, you know, that kind of kept that defensive front at bay a little bit. But uh, if you don't get going and you don't ever get started and they can get some three and outs and it's 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 hard to it feels like you're going uphill at times. So, you know, obviously I think we had a pretty good day statistically offensively, you know, yardage wise, but I think if you probably looked at the first half stats, not so much. Most of that was gained in the second half. How much I mean Tucker accounted for over four hundred yards and over hundred dollars. <coughs> just how good do you think he was I think it was excellent. I mean breaks his hand in the first half and plays the whole game with a broken hand, you know, like a lot of guys fold and go away and never come back, you know, but that guy stays in there, keeps battling, 
tough as nails down the stretch, running the ball. You know, like I'm afraid to call a couple things. I'm afraid to get him hit, and he's call sprint out. What? Yeah. So uh, gutsy, gritty, tough performance. Um, gave us a chance to win the football game. I see left hand there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Going forward, is your quarterback situation dicey or because of that? Well, I mean, we see, we'll wait and see here tomorrow and what we get, what it looks like. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, could be down at number three. We'll see. Is this a situation where today was the MAC championship game? Daquan could have gone? Or? No, it wasn't clear to play. Yeah. Were you surprised with the start? Falling behind 21 nothing? Did there anything that surprised you about that? Um, well, I mean, I, you know, a couple three and outs on offense, and, you know, obviously. They made a couple plays. Um, you know, I thought the receiver, their receiver had an unbelievable day, you know, an excellent day. And, you know, at times looked like the best player on the field out there at times today. So um, I thought that, uh, you know, they did a good job winning some one-on-ones. We got, we got a little bit behind there early on. And then we battled back and put us in position to, to get a win. And then we take the lead and we just didn't, we just couldn't, like I said, we couldn't finish. This is the same question kind of Notre Dame last year, but was there any thought of kind of going down at the half-yard line there? No, and they got their timeouts in hand. You know, like, I, you got to score, I think, and, you know, obviously one was going to stop them. But, um, yeah, I, I thought Devin's touchdown was a touchdown, you know, and wouldn't have been in that situation. I thought at the end of the game there, too, I thought that the play on the second to last play was a was a fumble. Um, you know, I think there was a couple, of a couple of things in that game there that, you know, I'd like to look back on him, you know, take another look at. Can you give an answer on why the fumble at the two was not reviewed for targeting and then why the possible fumble on the second last play wasn't reviewed? Well, I was told they were both reviewed. They are both looked at, whatever that means. So uh, the targeting, I've got a receiver that gets a concussion, but it's not targeting. So I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Maybe hit himself in the head. What is it about Tucker's makeup? I mean, we've seen it a couple times in his starts that there was a fourth down play at Eastern, there's a fourth down play here. Um, in those clutch moments that he's allowed, that he is able to make those kind of plays, what's in it? what is it about his makeup? Well, I mean, I think he says a competitor that he is. You know, I think he obviously is in a tough spot. I mean, he, you know, he goes into these weeks, you know, he's the number two guy. And I think there's a lot of things there that we don't get a lot of reps at practice, how your preparation, it falls a lot upon on you. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, you're sitting there in all the meetings with the starting quarterback, and you know you gotta you gotta be mentally tough, dude, to sit there and lock in and you know prepare like you're gonna be the guy. When sometimes you know when the ball's kicked off, you're not gonna be the guy. So, you know, there's a lot of things in the situations in the second half of that football game where specific coverages required specific things, and you know maybe a couple of those that we didn't he didn't get a lot of reps in in practice this week, and he stood in there and made great throws. You know, like. I don't know how many fourth down conversions did he convert in tough moments. I mean, two touchdowns, right? You know, like there are two, one and potentially Devin's touchdown at the end. It wasn't a touchdown, but, um, you know, at least those two tough deals on fourth down and for him to stand in there, take hits. He was taking some shots today and make some really tough throws. You said Tucker went through the week as number two. When did you know that you wouldn't have DQ? Uh, Friday when they see the doctor like they always do every Friday, the guys that are on the borderline and getting cleared for contact to play. When you say Friday, do you mean literal Friday or yesterday? Maxion Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that, yes, that's, what, what's today? Tuesday? Yeah. So that would have been yesterday morning. Yeah. 
know. So and you know we got we got we got some practice out of DQ this week, but it wasn't great practice, and it wasn't enough to you know um, you know obviously the he's still hurting you know, but uh, we'll see how it goes moving forward. Coach, two things. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the message that you preached to your team after a game like this, and also um, where you guys are looking to go from here. Obviously, with the game versus Western coming up, and then obviously the MAC championship. Yeah, I think our 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 challenge is is to stay in the now. You know, obviously we we can't we can't dwell on the past, and we can't be we're in a situation where we cannot put all our time energy into what the future looks like, you know, so we got to be here tomorrow, ready to rock and roll, ready to have put in a good work day tomorrow and, and get ready to play Western Michigan. I mean, that's, we don't have any other choice. I mean, that's where the focus has got to be. So, um, you know, we're going to take this film and grade this film with, with great detail, comb through this, see where our mistakes lie and see where, where we could fix ourselves and help ourselves here. Um, you know, but we can't be sitting around and look at worried about a Mac championship and like, no one's going to sit here and hand us a ring and, you know, want to be another, diamond on somebody's ring like we got to go win football games here and got to go play this week against western uh, I, I know this is probably like isn't the, i'm talking your mind right now but uh i mean this is you know perhaps the most exciting game in the 87 uh, game history the series and it's played on a tuesday night and in snowstorms or whatever like do you think this rivalry belongs on saturday absolutely 100 Yeah, what kind of crowd would, would this game have here or or down the down there if it was on a Saturday in the afternoon? You've experienced this game on Saturdays before. How, how different is the, the atmosphere? And just well, I think, uh, it, first, second, first of all, hats off to our crowd. Like, my gosh, I thought they were really good tonight. You know, our students were awesome, you know, and really have been really good all year long. But I just think that, you know, it, you're asking probably the wrong guy because I think every, every game should be played Saturday at 12 o'clock. So I, I'm going to say us playing Eastern should be played then and us playing whoever in our league. But especially I think this game is it means so much to these communities and, you know, a young person or a young family that's got young kids that tomorrow they got to go to school. You know, like i got to tell my own kids they can't come to the game. You know, so I think that, you know, uh, yes, to answer your question, yes. You know, it was a great evening, and uh, I told our kids, you know, um, their phones are blowing up, my phone's blowing up, and uh, I told them this morning, it's time to shut our phones off, it's time to, um, you know, the, those all those great moments that we had, we can talk about them in the off season, we can talk about them in the spring, um, and the goals and everything that we need to improve on, but, uh, you know, it was I'm really happy for our kids. I'm really happy for our program. I'm happy for BG, happy for all the alum, the former players. But it's time to um, turn the page and uh, really focus on on our really good opponent. And uh, it's going to take our uh, very best efforts. I told our kids today, uh, we've got to get all our plans for Thanksgiving handled. I gave them the the schedule. And, uh, you know, we just can't have any distractions whatsoever. And it's all about our mindset this week and we need terrific prep it's our last tuesday wednesday practice in a regular season together and uh, we expect to have our best practice and uh, for us to go down there 
Um, when I was at Temple, we went down there and lost uh, the championship down there when, uh, with a minute and 30 left to go on the clock. And I just know how hard it is whenever they're good to go down there and play. And it's going to take 100% focus. It's going to take uh, our best efforts in all three phases. And, uh, you know, we got to go out there and let it rip and uh, see what happens. But uh, this is a very, very well-coached football team. Uh, the defensive coordinator uh, we are familiar with because he was at Miami. He's excellent. And uh, the head coach has been around Frank forever. He knows how to win. He knows how to build a program. And uh, it's going to take uh, just a tremendous effort of, of 71 guys or 70 guys, whatever we're allowed to travel, to go down there and be locked in on doing our jobs. Um, you know, just like I said, we'll talk about all those cool explosion plays and all that others. You know, there's times that you get defensive looks that uh, you're able to make explosive plays. And uh, there's times that you, you don't and you have to uh, settle to throw the ball underneath. So, um, you know, I wish that we could throw bombs every single play, but there's times that you don't get the looks to throw bombs. So, um so explosion plays are all built on there, there's a bunch of different ways to have explosion plays throwing the ball underneath and having a guy run a shallow cross and he breaks a tackle so you know you're always trying to do what the defense gives you to make a long story short Yeah, and just like I said, you know, when our kids come up here, you know, we're they're not going to talk about Kent State. We're not talking about Toledo. We've got locked in. I want to talk all about OU. To be honest with you, it's uh, um, to sit here and uh, say what 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 should have could have happened at Kent State, what happened right at Toledo, what didn't happen right at Toledo. It doesn't matter, and uh, we need to be we need to refocus our kids, our coaches into one thing, and that's 100% focus on OU because it's going to take that type of mentality and effort to go down and play a really good football team. I love how they play. Uh, they're tough. They run to the football. Uh, they, they make plays. they got a great running back. They can throw the football. And if you're not locked in and you're worried about all the other stuff that happened uh, two weeks ago, 36 hours ago, um, it says, Coach Saban say, extreme rat poison. So we got to lock in on what we're doing right now. Not, and I'm not trying to be a jerk or anything like that. It's just, I said, I said to our kids today, um, our staff is done talking about the past. Um, our, our players are done talking about the past. So for me to sit up here and talk about the past, I'm eating my own words. So we're locked into our job right now. No, I get that. Yeah, the uh, our defensive line is the strength of our football team, as we all know. They're pretty good, and uh, you know they got to play great. And uh, it all starts up front. You know we got to play great with our offensive line. 
uh, our defensive line because I think they're both really, really good. They're well coached and tough. And uh, we're just uh, really, really fired up uh, for the opportunity to play. Not only are they good, I, you, I, you can see on tape they're, they, they're a first-class organization. You, you can't. I mean, there's, there's zero bickering back and forth. I've got great respect for uh, uh, Coach Solich and, uh, and how he built that program. And his uh, counterpart is doing the same exact thing. You know, they are first-class. They play hard. And uh, I'm really excited. I just want to go down there and, and play our best and see what happens. Yeah, and again, it's uh, I've been a part of uh, really good wide receiver rooms, and uh, you know there was opportunities for OJ this week. It could be opportunities for CJ Broden. That's how the game goes. I mean, um, not to talk about the past, but you know, in the Western Michigan game, CJ Lewis could have had a even ex as explosive a game as OJ did, and we just didn't execute. We didn't protect. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. And Tyrone Broden and, uh, and OJ, they're all – and uh, um, Austin, they're all really good players. And we got two really good tight ends. And that's the cool thing about the game. You don't know who they're going to take away. You don't know who they're going to double. You don't know this. So I'm glad that we have other wide receivers besides OJ. And now the takeaway from what OJ did, absolutely not. But how about if we go down to OU and they double him? Someone's got to step up. Tyrone Broden's got to step up. C.J. Lewis has got to step up. Austin Osborne. That's why you can't get worried about the noise of what's out there and all that other stuff. you got to focus on your job, locked in. And, uh, you know, and O.J. would tell you the same thing. You know, I mean, that's, that's football. You know, he, he had great opportunities a, uh, a couple of days ago or whenever that was. But... Um, I just know that your mind's got to be right because you never know in this game when it's going to be your turn to have uh, an explosive evening. It all depends on how the defense plays them. I wish I could. <laughs> I wish I could take a. What are those? You ever seen those black balls that you shake when you were a kid and says maybe I think so? I don't know how they're going to play them. That's why. We've recruited a lot of playmakers, and that's why we have a comprehensive offense that can adapt and adjust to whatever a defense gives us. Do we always execute it the right way? No, we don't. Uh, but we, we, we're in a position that if they do this to OJ, we've got other guys that can make a lot of plays, and we're extremely confident. Matt's confident. And to be quite honest with you, why Matt struggled here um, at the beginning of this, we didn't have a very good offensive line. We had one guy, maybe, that can make a play, and he forced the ball to him. Now he's got guys that can all make plays. And, uh, you know, we're just going to go from one to two to three and hit our first open guy in the progression. And if it's O.J., great. If it's C.J. Lewis, great. If it's Broden, great. And if it's uh, Simsy, great. If it's Harold, great. If it's the backside of the backfield, great. But we're not going to get all wrapped up into, you know, one guy's success. That's not who we are. We'll never be that way. Um, am I glad all those guys are on our team? You're damn right I am. But we're not, we're not 
we're not going to go down that path. We're a team. You know, it's a hard world. I mean, um, it's something that we talk about. I think I talk about unselfishness every single day. You know, we're living in a world that wants instant gratification. We're living in a world that there's so much outside noise to these kids. I, I mean, I thank God every single day that I grew up without a cell phone. I think every single day uh, that, uh, you know, the only criticism that I ever had to hear was one newspaper. Um, when we were in college, there might have been two, you know, really. Now they, they're instantly being told how bad they are or how great they are constantly. And, uh, you know, it's a different era in parenting. Uh, the way that I grew up is totally different than the way that they grew up. And... Uh, I'm thankful for that. I, I really am. I'm, I'm glad that I had some really hardcore, awesome parents. But, uh, you know, they're living in a world that's just different. And uh, selfishness is, is really hard to, uh, to deflect. And I think our team has done a great job. Have we been perfect with it? No. Um, that's why we hired the staff that we hired. I mean, it happens in staffs. You, you know, you have a great defense. You know, the defensive coordinator is worried about the next job rather than winning. And, you know, we're, we're smart enough and we've been around each other enough to understand that it's all about what you're doing on a daily basis and it's all about the team. And when you win, good things happen to everyone. So that's been the message from day one with our kids. Um, it's been the message day one with our staff. And uh, it's who, if there's one thing that I can say that I brought to Bowling Green is that's who I am. I could care less about notoriety. I could care less about the next job. If you want to fire me, great. If you want to hire me, great. I could care less. I mean, it's all about the team. It's all about the kids. It's all about the players. And that'll never change, ever. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was cool. You know, Walt Hare, um, I can just sit and I'm looking at all of them right now. Brock, Darren, um, Jeremiah. I mean, all those kids that came in, um, Jake Rogers. I mean, my goodness gracious. You want to talk about an unselfish guy. How about that? Jake Rogers started every single game his freshman year at wide receiver. And uh, the good Lord didn't bless him at six foot five, six foot four, four four, like we have some of these guys. He got beat out. He never complained. He never hurt the team. And, uh, you know, he stood up before a game and says, I'm only going to get an opportunity to play three games in this game. Lost his, even lost his, the job of returning punts. And then, and then Jalen gets hurt, and he steps in and uh, does an unbelievable job. And he, and he never complained. He worried about the team. Um, so those are the guys we want, you know, at the end of the day, you know. That's who we want. We want unselfish people that are all invested in the players, the coaches, and their school. So I'm jacked up to watch guys like Walt, who was the worst practice player in the history of football, bad attitude, bad this, bad that. And uh, if you would have told me that Walt and Carl were our captains four years ago, I'd have laughed. And, uh, no, they're awesome. And they've changed and they've adapted into our way. And um, it's not my way, it's our way. It's, it's what our staff believes, and 
um, just how we're going to try to keep doing business. I'm really glad we have these players for OU this week. You know, I'm, I'm glad that we have uh, glad we have some really good dudes that I know will prepare really hard, and uh, we're worried about OU, and uh, we just want to have the best Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Mac. That's Mac week. I know when I say that, you guys look at me like I'm on drugs, but uh, uh, we want to have a really good Tuesday practice tomorrow, and uh, just like I said, you know, not. I'm trying to be my best here, but it's all about OU. It's all about OU because I mean they're too—they're too good to have be distracted. They're way too good, too well coached. They're locking their team in right now. I know how they do business, and uh, we're uh, we're against the clock right now, and we got to make sure that we're uh, doing every single thing, every single minute to give us a chance to compete against OU. You know what? Uh, it's it's much better than uh, you know. We kind of finally get back to uh, a little bit of normalcy, and what I mean by that is uh, today we had uh, we were we treated it exactly like Monday, and we actually got to be on our time frame. Tomorrow is a uh, Tuesday practice, and uh, we'll be on our time frame back to regular season practice, where we start at uh, meetings in the morning, practice from 9:30 to 11:30. They go to school, they rehab. They come back and watch extra film on their own. Saturday, we're kind of back into action again, um, where uh, it's a Wednesday practice. We'll let them sleep in. Uh, they'll come in and they'll practice in the afternoon. And then uh, Sunday uh, is their off day, and uh, which is which would be a Thursday. Uh, we have a leadership meeting. Um, we have long staff meetings, offense, defense-wise. We have a huge staff meeting about. Uh, anything that happens with our kids in terms of medical, academics, um, uh, health and wellness, you name it, we talk about it for each guy. And then uh, our staff gets a little bit of break because they need, they, Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm making sure that they all get out of here. And uh, on Monday, it's Friday, and off we go. So it's kind of, to be honest with you, a little bit relieving that we're getting back into a human, normal, um, normal week which is cool. And again, I don't mean to be snobby and, and uh, short about bowl games and Toledo and all that. Ken, those were, that's in the future. In the past, we've got a huge, and when I mean a huge challenge, this is a big one. And, uh, you know, I want to make sure that uh, we all are doing our job and talking about just OU and focusing in on OU. So I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. So you just heard both coaches and their team celebrating. And I just felt like Leffler and his crew did a bang-up job. And it was just fantastic. So I will play it for you guys, for you tonight. This is a victory Victory one for our Bowling Green State University Falcons. Our Falcons. 42-35 winners. 
over Toledo. Make them fear it. Fight for dear BG. Forward Falcons, forward Falcons, make the contest keys. Hold up the fame for our mighty name and win for Bowling Green. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zumba. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zay. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zumba. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zay. Roll along, you BG Warriors. Roll along and fight for PGSU. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zumba. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zay. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zumba. Isaac Zumba Zumba Zay. Roll along, BG Warriors. Roll along and fight for PGSU. Oh yeah, it is a victory for this university. baby forward falcons my friends forward indeed so with bowling greens win the record now goes to 42 41 and 4 in the series as the rockets hold the one game lead in the series the rockets have won now 10 of the last 13 meetings Toledo won, of course, last year, 49-17, but Bowling Green wins this week, 42-35, over the University of Toledo Rockets. So it's good to see that. BG is now with the win, 6-5 overall, 5-2 in conference play. With the loss, the Rockets now go to 7-4, 5-2 in MAC play. So, and with the win, Jason Candle is now 5-2 and two against Bowling Green. Scott Leffler is now at 500 at 2-2 two and two against the University of Toledo Rockets. Uh, with the win also, with the win also, Bowling Green is now bowl eligible with their sixth win this season. And again, I say this. It means a lot. Bowling Green winning this game means a ton because of the fact that they're now bowl eligible and they have a lot to play for now. A lot to play for now. This game upcoming on Tuesday night in Athens as Bowling Green now travels to Ohio. This is a huge, a huge game. Saturday's game, as 
Buffalo versus Akron, and we'll get to that in just a second in the preview for this upcoming weekend's college football slate. But let me just say this. It is a huge game for Bowling Green on Tuesday, the final regular season game, because here is the situation. Bowling Green, with the win against Ohio, would be the Mac East representative if Kent State beats Buffalo on Friday. Now, if Akron somehow beats Buffalo this week on Saturday afternoon, 3.30 kick on CBS Sports Network, if Buffalo loses to Akron, Buffalo is eliminated, which then means Ohio versus Bowling Green will be the representative, the winner of that game will be the representative for the MAC East title. And with that in mind, would mean that they would have a re, if Toledo, if with Toledo winning the MAC West, they've already clinched their spot in Detroit, which means the winner of this game, if Bowling Green somehow pulls this out, wins a Buffalo law and a Buffalo loss, they would go to Detroit to play for the MAC championship. It'd be a rematch of the Battle of I-75. That's a lot. That's a lot there. And I'm hearing it from the message boards. I'm hearing it from all of the UT fans and the UT students and the UT people, well, they could have won. They should have won the game last night. They should have won the game if they had Jaquan Finn on the on the field. You play the football game, no matter who's on the field, no matter what the situation is. You play who's on the field, and Bowling Green was the better team on the field. Plain and simple. They rallied. They deserve this win. They deserve this trophy. Just got to say that. Just got to say that. So that's the game. Uh, Had a great time with my wife and her two friends, Brian and Angela. Uh, Had a great time. Great seats. I want to thank my good friends over at, uh, by Phil Bennett. Uh, And I also want to thank Bill Klein over at the Blarney for hooking us up also with tickets as well. For the game, uh, it was truly, truly a pleasure. Truly a pleasure. Great seats, great game. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you to those guys for hooking us up with those tickets. And and, and I got to get to this now. Uh, before the game, Barstool Sports, the college football show with Casey, Dave Portnoy, Big Cat, and Brandon Walker were at the Glass Bowl. Dave did some pizza reviews around town. He actually took one of my recommendations. I I told him to go to Inky's Pizza over here on the north end of Toledo. We're, we're about a few, uh, I'd say about five, ten, five minutes away from it from where the stand, where we're sta- where the uh, new headquarters is at for the podcast. Um, recommended Inky's. It was a, I don't know what his review is of it as of yet. Uh, but he was there. There's pictures. There's him with a t-shirt. Uh, he went to Stubborn Brothers. I don't know if he went to 
the other location I recommended. But the the college football show was fantastic. They had the uh, men's uh, UT men's team there. They had the uh, Hooters girls. Mayor Way gave Big Cat the key to the city of Toledo uh, for his coach Doug's for winning the national championship. He got the key to the city. It was great to see that. Um, I got my picture taken with Dave. I got my picture taken with Big Cat. I wanted to get a picture with Casey, but, you know, and Brandon Walker. And I'm not a big Brandon Walker fan. I've always told you guys that ever since he, like, dissed the Mid-American Conference in his in his college football show. Um, but Big Cat and Dave are some of the nicest people. Uh, I had, I talked to Big Cat for like a couple, actually a couple minutes. Um, and I, I mentioned, I, I mentioned my cousin, you know, my cousin, Nick, the money man, DeVero from our time back when it was Andy and money and talking to him and he's going to look into Nick for some of some sports stuff. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Big Cat will do for that. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. I didn't realize that, you know, it was a lot of college students. I knew it was going to be a lot of college students, but every person there had a drink in their hand. Even one guy was carrying a whole wine bottle. A whole wine bottle. I didn't realize wine was so popular in college tailgates. I was just absolutely shocked by that. Absolutely shocked by that. But, you know, it was a good, it was a good time. And I hope they come back. I hope they come back. So, there's that for you guys. The Battle of I-75 goes in our way. It goes in favor of the blue of the brown and orange. I score 42-35. Never forget that, folks. 42-35. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Uh, let's dive into the rest of the college football spectrum. Boy, that was a great win Tuesday night. It, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to keep talking about that. That was a great win. But I also got an opportunity this past week in week 11 of the college football spectrum to cross off a stadium off my bucket list and that was getting a chance to go with my friend Phil Bennett Logan and Wes Carr we made the trek down I-75 US-23 to Ohio State Stadium to see the Ohio State Buckeyes play the Indiana Hoosiers now this was a you know for me it was the stadium was a one that I have had on my bucket list for the longest period of time. Longest period of time. And I wanted to see the stadium. I wanted to see a game where I knew it was going to be an Ohio State victory in some aspects. And for me, the stadium was like... If you've ever seen the movie Rudy, when Rudy's dad walks onto the Notre Dame stadium and says, my eyes have haven't seen this much glory in its entire life, or whatever the quote is, that's how I felt. I was just absolutely stunned and shocked 
and twofold. One, how beautiful the facility is. And number two, number two, how small it is. When you see the t- how TV makes a stadium or an arena huge, this place was like that. I always thought it was like the Pantheon and the and the uh, when every time I would go to see a jacket game, I drive past it and I'd say, "Holy hell, that's a huge stadium." I can understand how they can get 114,000 people in the stadium of how slanted the seats are in the upper deck. I sat in the upper deck. If you saw our Facebook live and uh yeah, it was it was absolutely it was amazing. I could cross off my list. The University of Indiana took on the Ohio State University last Saturday. I was in attendance as they routed Indiana by a score of 56-14. to Strauss, five touchdowns in the game for him. He was 17 for 28 for 297 yards, five TDs. Williams, 15 carries for 147 yards. Hayden, 19 carries for 102 yards. Johnson, one carry, 71 yards. Marvin Harrison Jr., seven catches, 135 yards, one TD. Stover, three catches, 45 yards, two TDs. And Jugba, two catches, 38 yards, one TD. The one was Bab, one catch, eight yards, one TD. was just absolutely amazing to see. For Indiana in the game, Williams, the second, six for 19 for 107 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. QBR was a 46.1, by the way. Strauss's uh, QBR, 83.1. Williams also leading rusher, 16 carries, 46 yards. Simmons, four, one carry, 44 yards. Kobe, one catch, 49 yards. McCauley, one catch, 19 yards, one TD. Bonner, four catches, eight yards, one TD. Overall team stat looks like this. Ohio State had 27 first downs to Indiana's 11. Ohio State 7 for 14 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth down. Indiana 3 for 17 on third down, 0 for 1 on fourth down. 662 total yards of offense for the Ohio State Buckeyes at 322 through the air, 340 on the ground. Passing-wise for Indiana, they had 269 total yards of offense. Up passing is 119. Rushing was 150. Two penalties, 20 yards for Indiana. Three penalties, 15 yards for the Ohio, the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes fumbled the football, one turnover, but they led in the possession at 33 minutes and 19 seconds to Indiana's 26 minutes and 41 seconds. A big win for the Buckeyes as they now improve to a perfect 10-0. Indiana with the loss now goes to 3-7. and seven. So it was, it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed myself. Would I go back? I wouldn't probably go back if, if I had to pay again. I go if I had free tickets. I'm just going to say that. I, you know I'm not a big Ohio State fan. Everybody knows I'm not a big Ohio State. I'm not crazy of Ohio State. You know, but to see this stadium and finally see the insides of every time going to a jacket game, driving past it, you know, it was great. Absolutely great. Let's talk about the other team, Michigan. Michigan, a routing of Nebraska 34-3. to it was, it was no contest. Corum, again, a great outing. J.J. McCarthy, great outing again for Indi- as they routed Nebraska 34-3. Prudy, 6-for-11 for 56 yards. QBR rating 
Prudy also had five carries for 39 yards. Grant, 11 carries, 22 yards. Washington, two catches, 36 yards for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. For Michigan, it was a route. J.J. McCarthy, 8 for 17 for 129 yards, two TDs. QBR rating was a 50.1. Corum, 28 carries, 162 yards, one TD. Stokes, 8 carries, 68 yards, no TDs. Bell, 4 catches, 72 yards, one TD. Loveland, 2 catches, 40 yards, no TDs. J.J. McCarthy ran three times for negative eight yards. He did have a touchdown in the game. It was all Michigan in this one. The overall team stats, Michigan had 27 first downs to Nebraska's eight. Michigan was four for 10 on third down, a perfect two for two on fourth down. Nebraska was five for 15 on third down and a perfect one for one on fourth down. Michigan had 412 yards of total offense, 148 through the air, 264 on the ground. For Nebraska, they had 146 total yards of offense, 71 through the air, 75 on the ground, four penalties, 30 yards for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, one penalty, 15 yards for the Michigan Wolverines. They led in the time of possession, 35 minutes, 32 seconds, to 24 minutes, 28 seconds for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Michigan now at 10-0, Nebraska 3-7 overall. One other game to pass along to you guys, of course, and that is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They took on the midshipmen of Navy and 20th rank. Oh, Notre Dame gets the job done over the midshipmen. It was pretty dominating, but Navy made the comeback, scoring 16 points in the fourth quarter, but it was Notre Dame putting the lockdown in the fourth quarter after that. But the big 35-32 win over the midshipmen as it was paying 17 for 21 for 269 yards, four TDs, one interception, QBR rating of a 95.3. East Day, eight carries, 49 yards, no TDs. Diggs, 13 carries, 31 yards, no TDs. Uh, Payne ran the football in for a touchdown. He had eight carries for negative 13 yards. Thomas Three catches, 80 yards, one TD. Lindsay, five catches, 67 yards, one TD. Estee, one catch, 30 yards, one TD. Tyree, one catch, five yards, one TD. For the midshipmen, it was basically no quarterback. They had no quarterback. Uh, It was basically, yeah, coming up on my stats here, I'm looking at it. There's no quarterback for it. Unbelievable. Mostly the ship midshipmen rushing. Fontana, 15 carries, 133 yards, 1 TD. Airline, 12 carries, 59 yards, 1 TD. Passing-wise, oh, here it is, Pass, passing-wise. Airline, 2 for 4, 57 yards, 1 TD. Mayor, four, 4 for 7, 51 yards, 1 TD. Uh, Walker, 3 catches, 67 yards, 1 TD. Haywood, 1 catch, 20 yards, one TD. The team stats: Notre Dame had 15 first downs to Navy's 19 on third down. Navy was six for third, uh, three for 11, one for one on fourth down. The Irish were six for 13 on third down, one for one on fourth down. The midshipmen had 363 total yards of offense, 108 through the air, 255 on the ground. For the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, they had 335 total yards of offense, 269 through the air. Only 66 total yards on the ground. Five 
eight penalties, 57 yards for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, four penalties, 30 yards for the midshipmen. Both teams threw an interception, but the midshipmen led in possession 30 minutes and 39 seconds to Notre Dame's 29 minutes and 21 seconds. With the win, Notre Dame is now 7-3. The Naval Academy with the loss is now 3-7. So now with all that in mind, let's take a look at the rest of Week 11 in the college football spectrum. Week 3's, yep, week three's college playoff ranking. And we'll preview week 12 of the Mac of week 12 of the rest of the college football spectrum, as well as looking at week 12 games in the Maction and preview the Mac games for week 13 in the college football spectrum. It's now time to take a look at what happened in week 11 of college football right here on all Andy Alford. And we'll begin with what happened on Friday, November 11th as the eighth ranked USC Trojans hosted the Colorado Bulls at Colorado Bison. And USC, a big 55-17 win over Colorado on Friday night, getting their huge win for them. And then we get into the Saturday slate as fifth-ranked Tennessee welcomed in Missouri. And Tennessee shellacks the Tigers of Missouri 66-24. LSU headed into Arkansas, the Battle of the Razorbacks. LSU getting a big 13-10 win over Arkansas on a cold afternoon in Arkansas. Vanderbilt went into Kentucky and upsets the Wildcats of Kentucky 24-21. Unbelievable. 11th-ranked Ole Miss welcoming the 9th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, Alabama. As Alabama gets a close win. As Bryce Young throws three TD passes to lift Alabama over Ole Miss by a score of 30-24. to 10th ranked Clemson welcome in the Louisville Cardinals into, into the Rock as Clemson getting a big 31-16 win over Louisville. In an upset, NC State falls to Boston College by 1-21-20 in that affair. 17th ranked Tulane welcomed in the, the Knights of UCF. And UCF gets a huge 38-31 win over Tulane. Number one ranked Georgia Sherlock's Brandon Walker's Mississippi State 45-19 as Georgia still stays at number one. One of the big upsets, of course, 25th ranked Washington went into Eugene, Oregon to take on the Oregon Ducks, who are sixth ranked in the country. And the Huskies of Washington beats up on Oregon 37-34. 19th ranked Kansas State went to Baylor to take on the Bears, and it was the Wildcats a huge 31-3 win over the Baylor Bears. 4th ranked TCU beats 10th, 18th ranked Texas, so horns down for the Horn Frogs as TCU gets a huge 17-10 win over the Texas Longhorns. 15th ranked North Carolina beats Wake Forest by a score of 36-34. Florida State, a winner 38-3 over the Syracuse Orange. If Dino Babers is in trouble, that team is starting to spin. 13th-ranked Utah gets a huge win over the Stanford Cardinals, 42-7. And here's the one of the huge upsets. Arizona beats 12th-ranked UCLA by a score of 34-28 to recap the top 25. Of course, like I mentioned, 20th-ranked Notre Dame, a winner 35-32 over the midshipmen. In the Naval Academy, looking at the Big Ten slate from week 11, it was 
Ohio State, like I mentioned, 56-14 win over Indiana. And Michigan, a 34-3 routing over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Michigan State, a winner over the Rutgers. Scarlet Knights, 27-21 in East Lansing. Purdue upsets 21-ranked Illinois by a score of 31-24. Iowa, 24-10 win over Wisconsin. And Minnesota rose the boat past the Northwestern Wildcats by a score of 31-3. And if you look at the rest of the Mid-American Conference games from this past, from week 11 of the slate, of course, like I mentioned, Eastern Michigan, a 34-28 win over Akron. Ohio beat Miami of Ohio, 37-21. Toledo, a 28-21 win over Ball State in week 11. Northern Illinois, a 24-21 win over Western. Central beats Buffalo, 31-27. And last week, Kent State shellacked Bowling Green by a score of 40-6. Week 12 of the Mid-American Conference slate looks like this. Like I mentioned before, our Bowling Green State University Falcons beats the University of Toledo Rockets by a score of 42-35, to claiming the I-75 trophy. It was Eastern Michigan, a winner over Kent State, 31-24. to Miami, Ohio, a winner, 29-23 over Northern Illinois. And Western Michigan gets a 12-10 win in the snow. At Central Michigan University, one game yet to be played in Week 12. Akron travels to Buffalo to take on the Bulls. As a 3:30 kick, Buffalo is a 14-point favorite in that game. I am taking now with the weather, Akron in the game. So there's that for you. Uh, top 25 looks like this in the college football playoff rankings. And oh, by the way. To recap Week 11's picks, I had USC, Tennessee, LSU, Notre Dame, right. I was 4-0 there. And then Kentucky, which they lost to Vanderbilt. Ole Miss, which they lost to Alabama. Louisville, who lost to Clemson. NC State, who lost to Boston College. Tulane, who lost to UCF. Oregon, who lost to Washington. Texas, the loss to TCU. I you North Carolina with the win. I had Syracuse who lost lost last week in the top twenty five to to Florida State. I had Utah, which they won, and I I had UCLA and they lost to Arizona. The Big Ten. I had every game right except for the Illinois game. I had Illinois beating Purdue, and Purdue beats Illinois. And then week 11 of the action, I had Eastern Michigan, Ohio, Ball State, Western Michigan, Buffalo, and BG in the slate. And then for week 12, I had Ohio, which was a win. I had Eastern Michigan, which was a win. I had BG, and that was a win. I had NIU, that was a loss. I had Central Michigan, that's a loss. And I have... Now Akron over Buffalo for this upcoming week. Like I mentioned, the college football playoff rankings looks like this. Georgia stays at number one. Ohio State stays at number two. Michigan now goes to three. TCU to four. Tennessee on the outside at five. LSU six. USC is at seven. Alabama is at eight. Clemson is at nine. Utah is at ten. Penn State 11, Oregon falls 6 spots to 12, UNC goes up 2 spots to 13, Ole Miss falls 3 spots to 14, Kansas State goes to 15, UCLA falls 4 spots to 16, 
Washington moves up eight spots to 17. Notre Dame moves up two to 18. Florida State moves up four spots to 19. UCF to 20th moves up two spots. Tulane falls four spots to 21. Oklahoma State is new to the rankings at 22nd. Same with Oregon State. NC State falls eight spots to 24th. And the Cincinnati Bearcats go to 25th overall in the college football playoff rankings. With that all in mind, let's take a look at week 12 slate in the college football spectrum. With 12 minutes and 34 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, Tulane is up on SMU 56-14. to I took Tulane in this game. So now let's take a look at the rest of the top 25 slate. The midshipmen of Navy traveled to UCF for 11 a.m. kick on ESPN2. I am taking UCF in that game. Fourth-ranked TCU travels the Baylor. Noon kick is the big noon Saturday kickoff. TCU, two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm taking the Horned Frogs at TCU. Austin P 7-3 overall, takes on the Alabama Crimson Tide at noon on SEC Plus and ESPN Plus. I am taking Alabama in that game. Florida State welcomes in the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana. Noon kick on ESPN 3. FSU, a 24-point favorite. I'm taking the Knowles. In that game, 15th ranked Kansas State travels to West Virginia to take on the Mountaineers. Kansas State, seven and a half point favorite in this game. I'm taking Kansas State in this game. 23rd ranked Oregon State travels out to Arizona for a 215 kickoff. Oregon State, an eight point favorite in this game. I'm taking Oregon State in this game. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish have their final home game of the 2022 season at Notre Dame Stadium. 7-3 overall. Welcome in the Boston College Eagles, who are 3-7. Notre Dame, a 21-point favorite. 2-30 kick on NBC. I am taking Notre Dame in that game. 3-30 kick on CBS is the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Take on the Kentucky Wildcats, who are 6-4. Georgia, a 22.5-point favorite in this game. I'm taking Georgia. Ninth-ranked Clemson welcomes in the Miami Hurricanes. Miami 5-5, five five, Clemson 9-1. Clemson a 19-point favorite. I'm taking Clemson in this game. 24th-ranked NC State 7-3 overall welcomes in the Louisville Cardinals, who are 6-4. kick on ESPN 3, Louisville 4.5-point favorite in this game. I am taking the Cardinals of Louisville in this game. 25th-ranked Cincinnati travels to Temple to battle the Temple Eagles. Temple 3-7, Cincinnati a 17-point favorite, 4 o'clock kick on ESPNU. I'm taking the Bearcats. North Carolina, 13th ranked in the country, 9-1 overall. Take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. North Carolina, 21-point favorite, 5-30 kick on ESPN2. I'm taking the Tar Heels. 5th ranked Tennessee goes to South Carolina, the Battle of the Gamecocks. 7 o'clock kick on ESPN, Tennessee 9-1, South Carolina 6-4. Tennessee, 22-point favorite in this one. I'm taking Tennessee. 14th-ranked Ole Miss travels to Arkansas. The Battle of the Razorbacks, Misses, uh, Ole Miss is two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I'm taking Ole Miss in this game. Also, well, excuse me, I'm taking Arkansas. Arkansas in an upset over Ole Miss in this game. Arkansas. Bedlam this weekend. 22nd-ranked Oklahoma State travels to Oklahoma. Seven-and-a-half-point favorite is Oklahoma over Oklahoma State. I'm taking Oklahoma to beat Oklahoma State. The Battle of L.A. as the USC Trojans, 9-1 overall, takes on the 16th-ranked UCLA Bruins as an 8 o'clock kick on Fox. USC a 2.5-point favorites in the Rose Bowl. I'm taking UCLA to beat USC. I like what UCLA has. I saw them perform very well against the, our Bowling Green Falcons. I'm taking the Bruins of UCLA. 
LSU travels at home to against UAB. Nine o'clock kick on ESPN two in the swamp. LSU a fifteen point favorite. I'm taking LSU in that game. Seventeenth ranked Washington eight and two overall takes on Colorado is one and nine. Washington a thirty one point favorite. Nine o'clock kick. I'm taking Washington. And to end it all for us in the top twenty five. 10th ranked Utah takes on 12th ranked Oregon. 10:30 kick on ESPN. Both teams eight and two overall. I'm going to lean towards Oregon in this one as Utah's a two-point favorite. I'm taking the Oregon Ducks in this game. So that was the top 25. Let's take a look at the Big Ten slate for you guys, as it will be Wisconsin traveling to Nebraska. Noon kick on ESPN. Nebraska is not favored in this game. Wisconsin is. Ten and a half point favorite. I'm taking the Badgers of Wisconsin. Purdue hosts Northwestern. FS1 noon kick. Purdue 18 and a half point favorite. I'm taking Purdue in that game. Uh, Penn State 11th ranked the country goes to New Jersey. The battle of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights 3:30 kick on BTN. I'm going to take the Penn State Nittany Lions. Minnesota 7-3 overall takes on the Nebraska uh, Iowa Corn. Uh, uh, excuse me, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Four o'clock kick. Ne- Minnesota, two and a half point favorite. I'm taking the Golden Gophers. And then that sets up the local teams. Indiana, after the loss over Ohio State, traveled to East Lansing to battle the Michigan State Spartans. Michigan State, a 10 point favorite. Noon kick on BTN. I'm taking Michigan State. Michigan at noon welcomes in Illinois. Noon kick. Michigan, an 18 point favorite in this game. I am taking Michigan in this game. And to wrap it all up, Number two ranked Ohio State travels to Maryland to battle the Terps. Ohio State 27.5 point favorite. I'm taking Ohio State in this game. So then looking at the rest of the Mid-American Conference slate, like I said, I have Ohio, I have Akron beating Buffalo, which is the game on Saturday, which then sets up the games for next week in week 13 in the Mid-American Conference. We will have a podcast on Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving, and it will be all set up for the final weekend of college football. It will look like this for Week 12, Week 13 in the Mid-American Conference in Maction. It will start off with Tuesday's two big games. Ball State travels to Miami of Ohio. Both teams 5 and 6, 7 o'clock kick for that one. I'm taking the Red Hawks over the Cardinals. Friday the 25th has Central Michigan at Eastern Michigan. Eastern 7 and 4, Central 4 and 7. I am taking Eastern to beat Central. Toledo travels to Kalamazoo to battle the Western Michigan Broncos. Toledo 7 and 4, Western 4 and 7. Noon kick on ESPNU. I'm taking the Rockets in that game. Kent State travels to Buffalo Saturday, 1 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. I have Kent State in that game. I think Kent State is a lot, it's a little bit more impressive. And then Akron travels to Northern Illinois to battle the Huskies, 1.30 kick on ESPN3. I have NIU. And back to the Tuesday slate, our Bowling Green State University Falcons, 6-5 overall, 5-2 in MAC play. We'll take on... The Ohio Bobcats, who are 8-3 overall, 5-2 in MAC play. Let's see, not there. Excuse me, Ohio is 6-1 in conference play. 
eight and three overall. Bowling Green six and five overall, five and two in conference play. I have faith. I have I believe it. I'm taking Bowling Green to beat Ohio and getting themselves to Detroit for the MAC championship for the rematch of the Battle of I-75. That's where I see it. So top 25 and everything to recap. I have Tulane, who is winning tonight. UCF, TCU, Alabama, Florida State, Kansas State, Oregon State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Clemson, Louisville, Cincinnati, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, UCLA, LSU, Washington, and Oregon in my top 25 games. My Big Ten slate looks like this. Wisconsin, Purdue, Penn State, Minnesota, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Overall, I have, in Week 12 of the action, I have Bowling Green, Ohio, Eastern Michigan, which gets me to 3-1 and one with NIU, the lowly loss. Oh, excuse me. NIU and Central Michigan, the loss. So I'm 3-2 and two in MAC play. I have now Akron beating Buffalo. And in my Week 13 slate, I have Miami of Ohio, Eastern Michigan, Toledo, Kent State, NIU, and Bowling Green as my picks. And those are my picks right here for Week 12 and Week 13 of MACTION right here on All Andy Alford. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. I know this is a long podcast. I know we have a lot to get into with the Battle of I-75. Let's let's talk about the Lions and their two-game winning streak. Well, it's now time to look at Week 10 of the National Football League for you right here. And we're going to talk about the two local teams first and foremost before we do our recap from Week 10. Of course, the Lions overcoming... All of the obstacles that faced Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. They they found a way to get things done. Scoring 21 answered in the fourth quarter alone. To give the Lions their third win of the season. Second in a row. As they beat the Bears. At Soldier Field by a score of 31-30. to The big play, of course, was Jamal Williams getting the big touchdown with 2 minutes and 21 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. And it was 31-30 was the game-winning play. Uh, Doko getting the interception return was big as well, too. DeAndre Swift with the run. But Justin Fields, 67 yards running play in the fourth quarter to try to repel his team to get to the victory, but it was, like I said, Jamal Williams with a one-yard run, giving them the win, 31-30. to As Justin Fields for the Bears was 12 for 20 for 167 yards, two TDs, one interception. QBR rating was a 73.3. He had ran the football 13 times for 147 yards, two TDs in the game. Herbert, 10 carries, 57 yards. Receiving-wise, Komet, four catches, 74 yards, two TDs. Moody, four catches, 57 yards, no TD. Pringle, one catch, 12 yards in the game for the Lions. Jared Goff, 19 for 26 for 236 yards, one TD, no interceptions. QBR rating, 78.5. Williams, 16 carries, 59 yards, one TD, the game-winning one. DeAndre Swift, six carries, six yards, one TD in the game. St. Brown, one carry, two yards. He also had 10 catches. For 119 yards, no TDs. Raymond, three catches, 47 yards, no TD. 
Kennedy, one catch, 44 yards, no TD. Wright, one catch, two yards, one TD in the game for the Lions. The overall team stats look like this. The Lions had 25 first downs to the Bears, 19. The Lions, 5 for 11 on third down. The Bears, 6 for 11. The Lions, 1 for 1 on third on fourth down. The Bears, 0 for 1 on fourth down. The Lions had 323 total yards of offense, 228 through the air, 95 on the ground. The Bears had 408 total yards of offense, 150 through the air, 258 on the ground. Two penalties for 15 yards for the Lions. Nine penalties, 96 yards, 86 yards, excuse me, 86 yards for the Bears. One turnover the game. It was an interception. The Bears had 29 minutes and 12 seconds in possession time. The Lions, 30 minutes and 48 seconds. The win gets the Lions to 3-6. and six. The Bears are now 3-7 and seven overall. So the Lions, a huge win over the Bears. Then we get to the other team on the lake. And that was the Browns. The Browns traveled down to Hard Rock to battle the Miami Dolphins. And Tua Televailoa stays strong and throwing three TDs in the game as the Dolphins route the Browns after their bye by a score of 39-17. It was the Browns jumping out to an early 7-0 lead, but it was then all Dolphins after that. Nick Chubb having a 33-yard run in the fourth quarter, making a 30-17 game. It was then all in the favor of the Dolphins as they just routed the Browns in the game. As Tua, 25 for 32 for 285 yards, three TDs, no interceptions, QBR rating 93.7. Wow. As Wilson Jr., 17 carries for 119 yards, 1 TD. Mozart, 8 catches, 65 yards, 1 TD in the game. The receiving, Jalen Waddle, 4 catches, 66 yards, no TD. Sherfield, 4 catches, 63 yards, 1 TD in the game. Uh, Ingold, 4 catches, 45 yards, 1 TD. And Hill, Tyreek Hill, 5 catches, 44 yards, 1 TD in the game. For the Browns, Jacoby Brissett. 22 for 35 for 212 yards, 1 TD, no interceptions. QBR 54 points, 57.4. Nick Chubb had 11 carries for 63 yards, 1 TD. Brissett ran the football 7 times for 40 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, 5 catches, 99 yards, no TD. Amari Cooper, 3 catches, 32 yards, no TDs. Bryant, 3 catches, 15 yards, 1 TD in the game. Kareem Hunt, 1 catch, 10 yards. The overall team stats. Looked like this. The Dolphins had 29 first downs to so the Browns, 20. On third down, the Browns were 5 for 12. And on fourth down, they were 2 for 5. For the Dolphins, they were 6 for 11 on third down, 1 for 2 on fourth down. The Browns had 297 total yards of offense, 185 on the air, 112 on the ground. For the Dolphins, they had 491 total yards of offense, 296 to the air, 195 on the ground. Five penalties, 50, 43 yards for the Dolphins. Six penalties, 52 yards for the Browns. The Browns had one fumble, no turnovers for the Dolphins. The Dolphins had 33 minutes and 14 seconds of time of possession to the Browns, 26 minutes and 47 seconds. The Browns and the Lions share the same record, which is 3-6 and six with their loss. The Dolphins improved to 7-3 and three overall in the the National Football League. And with that in mind, let's take a look at Week 10 
in the National Football League. It's time. Time to recap week 10 in the National Football League right here on All Andy Opry. Whoop! We begin with Thursday Night Football as it was Marcus Mariota. And the Atlanta Falcons traveling down to Baker's Land and the Carolina Panthers. And the Panthers say, no, 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 not today, my friends, as the Panthers beat up on the Atlanta Falcons in a pouring down rain game. As it was Panero Kinnick connecting Kaniki Maka. Yes, I said that right. Eddie Panero. One, two, three, four field goals to propel his Panthers to a 25-15 win on Thursday night. Giving the Panthers their third win of the season over the Atlanta Falcons. Whoop! We then head to Sunday as it was Sunday morning. An early game in the States, but an evening game over in Munich as it was Tampa Tom. And the Buccaneers taking on Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. And Tampa Tom putting a shellacking, keeping it close all the way. But Chris Goodwin, Godwin, getting the key play. The Buccaneers were up 21-3 at one point. But chip, 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 chip away with Geno Smith. But in the end, it was. The Buccaneers raising the Jolly Roger. Winning in Munich. 21-16. Whoop! We then come back to the States. As it was the game of the day in Orchard Park. As the Minnesota Vikings took on Josh Allen. And nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And Buffalo with Josh Allen at the helm. Have a critical error and... The end of the game. As at the goal line. They fumble the snap. Giving. The Vikings they lead 30-27. to Tyler Bass having to go down the field to kick a 29-yard field goal to force overtime. Greg Joseph kicks the field goal. Gives the, the Vikings a 33-30 lead. Allen rallies the troops, drives them down the field, and it was picked off. Buffalo falls at home in overtime, 33-30 to the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota, 8-1. It's Kirk Cousin was 30 for 50 for one TD, two interceptions for 357 yards. That's Josh Allen, 29 for 43, 330 yards, one TD, two interceptions. Minnesota, 8-1. 33-30. Over the Bills. Woo! We then head to Strawberry Fields forever. The Bears fall to the Lions, as you heard in the recap earlier. 31-30. Woo! We head down to Nashville, Tennessee. As it was tightened up, baby. Taking on Bronco Nation. Let's ride. Russell Wilson taking on not Ryan Tannehill. And the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans. With Tannehill returning to the lineup, still banged up, throws two TD passes to give the Titans the 17-10 lead over 
the Denver Broncos. Woohoo! We then head out to Arrowhead as it was Kansas City with I'm Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes taking on I'm the kid, I'm Touchdown Jesus, I'm Trevor Lawrence, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars keeps it close most of the game. But Patty Mahomes with his four TD passes buries Trevor Lawrence as the Chiefs a huge 27-17 win over the Jaguars. The Jaguars 3-7. The Chiefs 7-2. As Mahomes, like I said, 26 for 35. Four TDs, one interception, QBR 92.3. Lawrence 29 for 40, two TDs. No interceptions, 259, QBR rating, 64.0. Woo! We then head out to the Meadowlands to see the G-Man taking on the Houston Texans. As it was Saquon Barkley and Mac Jones. Not Mac Jones, but excuse me. Not Mac Jones, Derek Jones, my friends. Derek Jones, not Mac Jones, I'm not that kind of guy. Derek Jones, 13 for 17 for 197 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. QBR rating 83.1 as the G-Men give the Houston Texans their seventh loss of the season as they beat up on the Texans 24 to 16 as Saquon Barkley, 35 carries for 152 yards, one TD in the game. Whew! Unbelievable. We then head over to the Steel Curtain. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers, led by Kenny Pickett, takes on the New Orleans Aints. As it was Kenny Pickett, as T.J. Watt felt familiar in the game. As Kenny Pickett's 18 for 30 for 199 total yards of offense. He, ran, he had a great game with a one-yard touchdown return. As Andy Dalton... 17 for 27 for 174 yards, one TD, two interceptions. As it was the Steelers, a 20 to 10 win over the New Orleans Saints. We then head out to Vegas, baby, as Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday's debut as a coach took on Derek Carr. And the Las Vegas Raiders and Jeff Saturday is a coach. In the National Football League. He can coach a team. He can lead his team to a victory. As the Colts get their fourth win of the season. With Matt Ryan going 21 for 28 for 222 yards, 1 TD. Derek Carr 24 for 38, 248, 2 TDs in the game. As Taylor 22 carries for 147 yards, 1 TD in the game. Propels the Colts to a 25-20 win over the Raiders. Woo! We then head to the game of the week. The America's game of the week. As is Aaron Rodgers. Passing Uganda. Taking on them boys in the Dallas Cowboys. And a lot of people, including yours truly, thought like the Cowboys were going to be the team. To beat Green Bay and put Green Bay back into their place. And finish the season for Green Bay. But Aaron Rodgers said, Pat, hold my hookah. I'm going in. As he was 14 for 20 for 243 yards, 3 TDs, no interceptions. QBR rating of an 82.3. 
as Dak Prescott was 27 for 46 for three TDs, two interceptions for 265 yards. His QBR rating, 44.7. As Pollard had 22 carries for 115 yards. CeeDee Lamb, 11 catches, 150 for two TDs. But it was overtime is what was needed. <laughs> and <laughs> you still am, boys. Green Bay beats up on the boys. 31-28 in overtime. We then head out to SoFi. And the Las, Los Angeles Rams taking on, I'm Kyler Murray the child. Arizona Cardinals. As it was a Colt McCoy realizing every time he steps on an NFL field, it could be his last chance to play. But the 38-year-old quarterback stepped up to the plate. He was 26 for 37 for 238 yards, one TD. As Wolford without Stafford, 24 for 36 for 212 yards, one TD, one interception. The Arizona Cardinals defeat the Los Angeles Rams 27 to 17. The Rams are in trouble, my friends. Parody is not for real. Woo! We then have Sunday Night Football on NBC. Chargers and the Niners on my TV. And it was Christian McCaffrey again with Jimmy Garoppolo. 19 for 26, 240 yards as Justin Herbert was 21 for 35 for 196 yards. One TD, one interception. As Garoppolo with Christian McCaffrey on the front. Robbie Solid Gold kicks the game winner. 22-16 was the winner over the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers and the Niners are now both 5-4. and four. We then have Monday Night Football as it was the Washington Commanders traveling to Lincoln Financial Field and the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles and Washington led by Taylor Heineke who was 17 for 29 for 211 yards. He, only, he threw one interception. Jalen Hurts, 17 for 26 for 160, 175. Two TDs, one interception. That interception was costly. As it was all commanders in the game from the second quarter on. Field goal. Touchdown. Field goal. Field goal. Eagles touchdown. Field goal and a fumble return. The Eagles are no more undefeated. They get their first loss. They lose to the Commanders 32-21. The perfection season is done for the Eagles. And that is Week 10's recap in the National Football League. As we have Week 11 going on as we speak with four minutes with three minutes and change. Left to go in the game. The Tennessee Titans are up 27-17 on the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers in the game. He's 22 for 37 for 206 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. Tannehill, 21 for 26 for 282 yards. Two TDs, one interception. This game's still going on as we're doing the podcast right here. But let's preview the rest of Week 11 
in the National Football League. So you just heard Week 10's recap in the National Football League right here on all Andy Alfred as the Titans are up right now as we hit the two-minute warning at Lambeau Field as the Titans have just stopped them on fourth down with 2.04 to go in the fourth quarter. Green Bay is going to lose their seventh game of the season as the Titans take over on downs with two minutes and four seconds to go in the fourth quarter with a 27-17 lead over Green Bay. I had Green Bay in the game, and I'm going to get my first loss of the week on this one. So let's take a look at the rest of the Week 11 slate right here on All Andy Alford, and here are my predictions for this upcoming week. The Dub Bears, 3-7 and seven overall, travel to Atlanta to battle the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, a three-point favorite in this game. I think I'm going to take the Bears to beat the Falcons. I have the Bears over Atlanta, 1 o'clock kick on Fox. You also have the Eagles, who have just come off the loss on Monday night, will travel to Indianapolis to battle the Indianapolis Colts. Philadelphia, seven-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. New Orleans travels to L. Welcomes in the L.A. Rams. Both teams have three wins. Somebody's going to get their fourth win of the season. New Orleans, a three-point favorite in this game. One o'clock kick on Fox. I'm going to take the Saints to beat the Rams. The Jets. Travel to Foxborough to take on the New, the New England Patriots. One o'clock kick, New England, a three-and-a-half point favorite in this game. I'm going to take the Jets to beat the Patriots and split the series between the two teams, taking the Jets over the Patriots. One o'clock kick on that one for that game. Carolina travels to Baltimore. One o'clock kick, Baltimore, 13-point favorite in this game. I'm taking Baltimore, plain and simple. Washington, the Commanders, travel to Houston to battle the Texans. 1 o'clock kick on Fox. Washington, a three-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take the Commanders to beat the Texans, which sets up then the four, 1 o'clock kicks as followed. Now, we'll start first and foremost with the Lions. The Lions travel to the Meadowlands to take on the G-Men. The G-Men, 7-2 overall. The Lions, 3-6. The Giants, a three-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take the Giants to beat the Lions in this game. I think the Lions' winning streak ends at two in this one. And then we have the other kick, which is now taking place in Detroit, Michigan, as the Wash the Buffalo area is scheduled to get about four to six feet of snow this weekend. So the NFL has made the announcement that they will move the Buffalo Bills Cleveland Browns game from Buffalo in Orchard Park, New York to Detroit, Michigan. Buffalo 6-3. The Lions, the Browns is 3-6. I'm going to take Buffalo's an 8-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take Buffalo still in this game. I think they get the better win in this one. I have the Bills over the Browns, which sets up the 4 o'clock slate. The Las Vegas Raiders travel to Denver to battle the Broncos, 4.05 kick on Fox. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos in that game. Dallas travels to Minnesota, 4.25 kick on CBS. Dallas, a one-and-a-half point favorite. I'm taking the Vikings over the Dallas Cowboys. I think Minnesota gets their ninth one of the season. I think that's going to be very, very good. Cincinnati with Joe Burrow travels to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
425 kick. Cincinnati a four-point favorite. I'm taking the Bengals in that one. The Sunday night game looks like this. It will be. It will be the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Los Angeles Chargers at SoFi Stadium. Kansas City a five-point favorite in this game. I'm going to take the Chiefs in that game. What sets up the Monday night game as San Francisco and Arizona, 8-15 kickoff being played at, at Mexico City. San Francisco, an eight-point favorite in this game. I am taking the Niners over the Cardinals as it's just gone final at Lambeau Field. It was the, the Titans, a 27-17 win over the Green Bay Packers. So to recap, I have, I took Green Bay in this game. I lost tonight. I have the Bears, the Eagles, the Saints, the Ravens, the Commanders, the G-Men, and the Bills, Denver, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Kansas City, San Francisco, and the Jets over New England. Those are my picks for Week 11 in the National Football League. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's hit the ice. Let's talk a little jacket hockey as well as some walleye hockey as well. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. Now time for the latest Jackets Report right here on All Andy Alfred. The Jackets coming off of a huge couple wins this past week and, of course, a loss on Saturday in the aisle. But they played Montreal tonight, too, and we'll get into that game here in just a second. But let's recap the last few games for our Columbus Blue Jackets. The Jackets welcome back John Tortorella. And the Philadelphia Flyers to Nationwide Arena last Thursday night. The first game back after the vacation for the the Jackets on their European vacation. And the Jackets were back into the swing of things as Johnny Gaudreau getting his sixth of the season from Zach Wierenski. It was one nothing Jackets. And then Zach Wierenski getting his third of the season from Johnny Gaudreau in the first period. Making it 2 nothing. But then Zach Wierenski went into the boards hard. He has now a separated shoulder and a torn labrum. He is done for the season. The Jackets were down a defenseman there as they took a 1-2-0 lead into the intermission. Boone Jenner keeps the winning the scoring streak alive. His third of the season from Line in Goudreau, 37 seconds into the second period, making it a 3-0 score in favor of the CBJ. Then Tony D'Angelo getting his third of the season from Gates and Provorov making it 3-1 after 40 minutes of play. Then Ian Provorov getting his first of the season from Thomas Konecki and Justin Faraby on a deflected shot, beating beating goaltender beating goaltender Jonas Corposalo. And it was a 3-2 game. Nick Blackenberg puts it into the empty net making it 4-2, and then Jenner his second of the game, fourth of the season, making it a 5-2 jacket lead, and that was the final. The Jackets 
Welcome back, John Tortorella, with a loss, with a 5-2 loss over the Philadelphia Flyers. Goudreau, the number one star. Corpus Allo, the number two star. Nick Blackburn, the number three star. Jackets were outshot in the game by the Flyers, 34-29. On the faceoff dot, the Jackets had, were 52% to the Flyers, 48%. Jackets were 0-2 on the power play. They had seven minutes in penalties to the Flyers, 11 minutes in penalties. The Flyers out hit the Jackets, 15 to 12. The Jackets out blocked the Flyers, 18 to 12. Overall, uh, the Jackets had five giveaways to the Flyers, six giveaways. The Jackets had nine takeaways to the Flyers, six takeaways. Jackets outshot in the first and third period, but they outshot the Flyers in the second period. Jonas Corposalo, by the way, in the takes the win. He stopped 20, 32 of 34, save percentage of a point, 941. It was Carter Hart stopping 24 of 27, save percentage of a point, 889. So the Jackets, a big win on Friday, on Thursday night. They then went to the Isle to battle the, to Belmont Park to take on the New York Islanders in a big game in the division. And no, no score after 20 minutes of play, but then Cole Sillinger on the power play capitalizing from Igor Chinnikov and Jake Bean. It was one nothing Jackets, three minutes and nine seconds into the second period. And then it was then Nelson, his seventh of the season at the 727 mark of the second period from Mayfield and Aho, uh, Aho, Sebastian Aho, tying the game at one apiece on a tip shot, beating Goaltender Elvis Merslinkis, oh, excuse me, Jonas Corposalo, making it a 1-1 game. Then Emil Benstrom getting his first of the season from Gustav Nyquist and Jake Bean. It's 2-1 Jackets at the 10-15 mark of the second period. And then Nelson getting his second of the game, second of the period, his eighth of the season from Andres Lee and Sebastian Ajo, tying the game at two with less than a minute to play in the period, making it a... 2-2 game after 40 minutes. The kid from Cleveland, Bjork, his first in the National Hockey League from Emil Benstrom and Gustav Nyquist, a slap shot beating beating gold goaltender Sorkin, Sorkin, making it a 3-2 jacket lead. Nine minutes and 38 seconds into the third period. Then Mayfield getting his fourth of the season. At the 12:51 mark of the third period from Barzell and Wonstrom tying the game at three, forcing overtime. Jackets get a point. And then Zach Parise getting his fifth of the season. Um, Percy, excuse me, from Pedro and Bleak. 39 seconds into overtime. The Islanders, a 4-3 win over the Jackets. Brock Nelson, the number one star. Scott Mayfield, the number two star. Sebastian Ajo, the number three star. The Jackets were outshot by the Islanders in the game, 46-29. The Islanders were 56% on the faceoff dot to the Jackets, 44%. Jackets were 1-for-2 on the power play. Both teams had four minutes of penalties. The Jackets out-hit the Islanders, 19-15. They out-blocked the Islanders, 20-17. They had seven giveaways to the Islanders, 12, and they had five takeaways to the Islanders, three. For the Jackets, Jonas Corposalo got the start, stopped 42 of 46, save percent of a point nine one three. For the Islanders, it was Storkin, 26 of 29, save percentage of a point eight nine seven. So the Jackets fall to the Islanders. On Tuesday, they welcomed back in John Tortorella and the Philadelphia Flyers on Hockey Fights Cancer Night.
and it started off with Sean Corrales jumping out to an early 1-0 lead for the Jackets. His third of the season for Vladislav Gavrikov and Eric Robinson. 1-0 Jackets at the 12:36 mark of the first period, and that's what it stood after 20 minutes of play. In the second period, Boone Jenner getting his fifth of the season on the power play from Johnny Gaudreau and, and Kent Johnson. 2-0 Jackets, 5:36 into the second period on a tip shot. On the power play, Jackets up to nothing, and then the Flyers then started up. Kevin Hayes getting his fourth of the season from Konechny and Lantanen, making it 2-1 Jackets at the 8.54 mark of the second period, and then Cates on a wrist shot beating beating goaltender Elvis Merslinkitz, getting his third of the season from McEwen and Tippett, making it 2-2 after 40 minutes of play. Jenner then getting his sixth of the season in the third period, three minutes and 22 seconds into the third period, giving it the Jackets a 3-2 lead. Eric Robinson capitalizes more on the Jacket on the Flyers with the second from Oliver and Bjork, making it 4-2, but then the Jackets fell apart quicker than a Walmart sweater in the dryer. As Steeler getting his second of the season from Frost and Farabee makes it 4-3 at the 4.58 mark of the third period. And with 9 minutes and 14 seconds to go in the third period, Thomas Konecki getting his 7th of the season from Cates and Hayes on the power play, tying the game at 4, forcing overtime at the Schwide. And then Valasov Gavrikov in overtime from Chinnikov and Sillinger at the 3-14 mark of the overtime period beats goaltender Carter Hart. Jackets. 5-4 winners over the Philadelphia Flyers, getting their second point. As Jenner, though, was the number one star. Gavrikov, the number two star. Travis Konecki, the number three star. Jackets were outshot in the game, 37-33. They led in the faceoff dot, 52% to 47%. Both teams, one for two for the Flyers, one for one for the Jackets on the power play. Jackets have six minutes of penalties to the Flyers, four minutes of penalties. The Jackets out hit the Flyers 34-27 and outblocked the Flyers 25-18. The Jackets had seven giveaways to the Flyers, none. And the Jackets had eight takeaways to the Flyers, four. Carter Hart got the start for the Flyers. He stopped 28-33, save a percentage of a .848. For the Jackets, it was Elvis Merzlinkis who start, started the game. He stopped 15-17. Before being pulled, his save percentage of .882. It was then Jonas Corpusal coming into the game, stopping 18 of 20. Save percentage of a .900. Roslovic, Bayer, and Line A were scratched. As Line A is now out three to four weeks with a high ankle sprain, he is off the team for right now. And then tonight at the Schwide. The Montreal Canadiens come to Nationwide Arena for the first time this season. The Jackets jumped out to an early 2-0 lead as Cole Sillinger getting his second of the season for Gooverson and from Jake Christensen. It's 1-0 Jackets. Then Gustav Nyquist from Bayward and Chinikov making it a 2-0 game at the 16-19 mark of the first period on a slap shot, beating Goaltender Montebure making it a 2-0 lead after 20 minutes. The Canadians chip it away in the second period as Harris gets his first from Suzuki and Strafagoski, making it a 2-1 jacket lead. And then the former jacket himself, 
Josh Anderson with three seconds to go in the period, tying the game for this fifth of the season from Gallagher and Kovac on the power play, beating Jonas Corposalo. It's 2-2 after 40 minutes. Boone Jenner then capitalizes, getting his seventh of the season from Kent Johnson and Johnny Goudreau. It's 3-2 Jackets at the 6.36 mark of the third period. Gallagher then answers right back about two minutes and change later for this third of the season for Dvorak and Hoffman, making it a 3-3 game with the 9.27 mark of the third period. The Jackets then put it away with, Eric, with Sean Crowley getting his fourth of the season from Robinson, making it a 4-3 game with the 10.09 mark of the third period. And a minute later, Matthew Oliver getting his first as a Jacket, his first of the season from Crowley, making it a 5-3 game. Nick Suzuki makes it close to captain. Getting its 11th season from Kirby Dock and Kovacek, making it 5-4. Corrali puts it into the empty net, and that was the final at Nationwide tonight. Sean Corrali, the number one star, Oliver, the number two star, and Boone Jenner, the number three star at the Jackets, getting a 6-4 win for the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal outshot the Jackets at the game 42-29. Jackets led in the faceoff dot 51% to 48%. Montreal 1-3 for three in the power play, Columbus 0-1. Montreal had 9 minutes in penalties. Columbus, 11 minutes in penalties. They outhit the Canadians 18-8 and outblocked the Canadians 18-15. They had, the Canadians had two giveaways to the Columbus's 6, and Columbus had 10 takeaways to Montreal's 4. Montreal with Montebrew stopped 23-28, of save percentage of a point 8-1. The Jackets was Jonas Corposal gets the win. He stopped 38-42, of save percentage of a point. 9.05, and that is the recap from this past week. The Jacket injury bug continuing for the Jackets. They had they have so many players out right now. It's going to be hard to see how this team is going to perform, and the four of the next five games are at home. They'll play Saturday night at the Swide, 7 o'clock drop against the Detroit Red Wings. Before then, after that, they'll play, excuse me, after then, they will have a quick turnaround because Sunday, 6 p.m. puck drop. As the Florida Panthers come to Nationwide for the first time, they'll have two days off. The day before Thanksgiving, they welcome back in the Montreal Canadiens for a 7 o'clock puck drop. The day after Thanksgiving, they welcome in the New York Islanders in 8 p.m. puck drop for that one. Now, remember that. That's an 8 o'clock puck drop for that one. The day after Thanksgiving, they'll head to Nashville the next night or 8 o'clock puck drop for that one. And then they will return home on the 28th of November to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. So that's what the latest for the Jackets. The Jackets extend their point streak to four games with a win. They have placed Jake Bean on injured reserve. Like I said, the injury bug continues. Uh, the Jackets announced today that on November 23rd, they will have the throwback night and they will wear the throwback uniforms for uh, the retrograde uniforms. So there is that for you guys right there. Uh, some other news and notes from around the National Hockey League as follows. Uh, pull it up here really quickly here. Um, let's see here. Fleury has been placed on injury reserve. Marc-Andre Fleury was placed on injury reserve with an upper body injury. After he made 23 saves against the Predators on Tuesday, it looks like uh, 
goaltender Zane McIntyre will be recalled from Iowa for that one. Uh, uh, Jonathan Drew is going to be out four to six weeks with an upper body injury with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the 2023 class is going to be is coming out now. And some of the notable names, of course, in the 2023 class is going to have, in, we won't know until June when the Hall of Fame 18-member committee will meet. But here are some of the players that are his first year eligibility. Corey Crawford, Henrik Lundqvist, Justin Williams. Uh, let's see here. Jennifer Bautier, Rob Brendamore, Karen Baez-Diaz, Matt Megan Duggan. Patrick Elias, Sergey Gonchar, Curtis Joseph, Reggie Leish, Alexander Maltsev, Boris Mikhailov, Alexander Mogiev, Chris Osgood, David Poulier, Jeremy Roenick, Keith Kachuk, Pierre Tergeron, Henrik Zetterberg, all to be named, all on the list to be possibly into the 2023 class. By the way, Mason Appleton is out 8 to 12 weeks with the Winnipeg Jets after having wrist surgery as well. Scores from around the league from tonight. Games are taking place or have taken place. The Jackets, like I said, 6-4 winners over Montreal. The Devils, a 3-2 win in overtime over the Leafs. Winnipeg, a 3-2 win over the Anaheim Ducks. We're 40 minutes down. The Golden Knights are up 1-0 on the Arizona Coyotes after 40 minutes Seattle and the Rangers are tied at one. Just starting the second period, San Jose's up 2-1 on the on the Red Wings. Finals, Tampa Bay was a winner 4-1 over Carol, uh, excuse me, Calgary. Carolina loses to the Colorado Avalanche in overtime 3-2. Panthers fall to the Stars 6-4. The Flyers fall to the Bruins 4-1. The Predators are 5-4 winners over the Islanders. It was the Penguins a 6-4 win over the Minnesota Wild. And St. Louis beats up on the Washington Capitals in a shootout 5-4. But the overall standings look like this. The Jackets are still the last place team right now at 6-9-1 with 13 points. Ottawa 6-9-1 as well with 13 points. Buffalo 7-10-0 with 14 points. Washington 7-9-3 with 17 points. Montreal with their loss are now 8-8-1 with 17 points. Philadelphia 7-7-3 with 17 points. Penguins 7-7-3 with 17 points. And the Red Wings are 7-5-4 with 18 points. Those are the Bottom wild card teams. The top two wild card teams right now are the Florida Panthers at the top spot at nine seven and one with nineteen points, and the Rangers at eight six and three with nineteen points. Metropolitan top three teams: the Devils at fourteen three and zero with twenty eight points, Carolina ten five and two with twenty two points, and the Islanders eleven seven and zero with twenty two points. The Atlantic Division. It's run by the Boston Bruins at 15-2-0 with 30 points. Toronto 9-5-4 with 22 points. Tampa 10-6-1 with 21 points. The Western Conference looks like this. Central Division is led by the Dallas Stars at 10-5-2 with 22 points. Winnipeg 10-4-1 with 21 points. The defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche are 9-5-1 with 19 points. The Pacific Division looks like this. Top team is the Vegas Golden Knights at 13-4-0 with 26 points. The Kings 11-7-1 with 23 points. Seattle 8-5-3 with 19 points. The wild card race 
It is held the top spot by the Edmonton Oilers at 9-8-0 with 18 points. Nashville 8-8-1 eight, eight, with 17 points. St. Louis 8-8-0 eight, eight, with 16 points. Calgary 7-7-2 seven, seven, with 16 points. On the outside looking in are the the Blues, the Flames, also the Minnesota Wild at 7-8-2 with 16 points. Chicago 6-7-3 with 15 points. San Jose 6-9-3 with 15 points. Arizona 6-8-1 with 13 points. Vancouver 5-9-3 with 13 points. And the Anaheim Ducks at 5-11-1 with 11 points. They are the worst team in the National Hockey League. And that is the Jackets Report and the NHL News and Notes right here on All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. As you're listening to us tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's hit the pond and let's talk a little walleye hockey. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup, right here on All Andy Alfred. Now time for the latest Walleye Roundup, right here on All Andy Alfred. And we will begin with the games from a few weeks ago, of course, on the 10th of November. When we last left you, the walleye were getting ready for a big game in Fort Wayne, Indiana, as they took on the Fort Wayne Comets, as it was Goslin having a great game. Two goals, two-goal night, as Farber started off for the Comets at the 8-14 mark of the first period for Marasma and Winchrist. It was one nothing Comets after 20 minutes of play, and then Kirk Goslin getting his second of the season from Boeing and Nardine. And it was at the 345 mark of the second period, tying the game at one apiece. And at the 328 mark of the game of the period, Goslin getting his third of the season from Nardine and Green, making it a 2-1 game. Jet the walleye getting a huge 2-1 win over the Fort Wayne Comets. Fort Wayne out shooting the fish in the game 41 to 22 as Sebastian Costa stopping 40 of 41. State percentage of a point 975. It was Faraday, the loss. He stopped 20 of 22, save percentage of a point, 9-5-0. Toledo 0 for 9 on the power play. Fort Wayne 1 for 6 on the power play in front of a crowd of 7,822. Two hours and 35 minutes took to play the game at the beautiful Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Gosselin, the number 1 star. Costa, the number 2 star. Faraday, the number 3 star in the game. The Recap the rest of the scores from that night. Newfoundland was a winner 7-1 over the Norfolk Admirals. Adirondack a 4-3 winner over the Worcester Railers. Orlando a 5-2 win over the Jacksonville Icemen. Wheeling gets Kalamazoo their fifth loss of the season by a score of 5-1. Running a 5-3 winner over the Maine Mariners. Savannah Ghost Pirates fall the South Carolina Stingrays 5-3 in overtime at Heritage Bank Center. It was the Cyclones a 4-3 winner over the Indianapolis Fuel. Utah 4-2 win over the Allen Americans. Kansas City a 5-8 win over the Iowa Heartlanders. Wichita falls in over, Wichita wins in overtime. Tulsa over Tulsa 
four three, and in in Idaho, excuse me, in Rapid City, Idaho was a winner four two over the Rapid City Rush. We get to Saturday's slate of games, and the Fish took on the Kalamazoo Wings at the Bank Tank at the Huntington Center in front of a good crowd of 7,865 saw this game took place, and it was Lucas Kreis getting his first third of the season, first of the night for him for Mackenzie and Bliss. Even strength at the 12-28 mark of the, of the second period. Both teams did not score in the first period. And then it was Irvine for Kalamazoo, his first of the season from McCarthy and LeBlanc on the power play, giving it a tie in the game at one apiece. McCarthy then getting his fourth of the season from Cook and Sagyong. Even strength in the third period, making it a 2-1 game. He and eventually was the game winner for McCarthy. And then it was Umetz getting his second of the season from Fujek and Irvine into the empty net, making it a 3-1 game. And that was the final at the Huntington Center. At the Huntington Center, Toledo outshot Kalamazoo in the game 31-30. Toledo 0-2 on the power play. Kalamazoo 1-4 for as it was... Kosa getting the loss. He stopped 27 to 29. Save percentage of a point nine two five. It was Kajin stopping 30 to 31. Save percentage of a point nine seven five in the game. The three stars of the game were McCarthy, the number one star, Kajin, the number two star, and Lucas Craig's, the number three star at the bank tank. Recapping the rest of the games on the 12th of November, it was. Newfoundland a winner 4-1 over the Norfolk Admirals. It was running a 4-1 win over the Maine Mariners. In a shootout, it was Wooster a 3-2 win over Adirondack. Jacksonville a 5-2 win over the Travos Lions. In overtime, Greenville beats up on the Florida Everblades 3-2. Fort Wayne a 2-1 win over the Wheeling Nailers. It was Cincinnati a 5-2 win over the Indianapolis Fuel. Utah falls to Allen 4-2. It was Tulsa falling to the Kansas City Mavericks by a score of 6-1. Wichita in overtime beat the Iowa Heartlanders 3-2 and in a shootout, Rapid City a 4-3 win over the Idaho Steelheads. Sunday slate, the Fish were off, but Newfoundland completes the sweep over Norfolk with a 5-3 win over the Admirals. Savannah falls to Atlanta 4-3. India 2-1 win over the Kalamazoo Wings. The Lions of Travolse beat the Orlando Solar Bears 2-1. Florida a 3-1 win over the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Fort Wayne put a shellacking on the Nailers 5-1, and Wichita 5-2 win over the Kansas City Mavericks on the 13th of November, 2022. Two games that took place on the 15th. Kansas City a 6-5 win over Tulsa. Orlando a 3-0 shutout over the South Carolina Stingrays. Wednesday the 16th saw the Newfoundland Growlers hosting the main Mariners and shutting out the Mariners 5-0. In overtime, Greenville beats up on Adirondack 4-3. The Lions of Travos beat the Norfolk Admirals 6-3. It was the Running Royals a 6-2 win over the Rooster Railers. 3-2 winner for the Atlanta Gladiators over the Florida Everblades. And at Heritage Bank Center, the Allen Americans beat up on the Cincinnati Cyclones by a score of 5-4. Tonight on the docket, games have just gone final. Fort Wayne beats up on the Indy Fuel 6-3. Tulsa, a 3-2 win over Rapid City. And Idaho, a 6-1 win over the Utah Grizzlies. Now, tomorrow, the 18th of November, here's the slate of games 
in the East Coast Hockey League. 7 o'clock start time in Newfoundland, 6 o'clock our time. Maine will take on the Newfoundland Growlers. 7 o'clock Eastern are the following games. Adirondack is in Reading. Norfolk is in Travolta, the Battle of the Lions. South Carolina is hosting Jacksonville. Wooster is in Greenville. Wooster is hosting Greenville at 7.05. At the Bank Tank tomorrow night, 7.15 puck drop. Big game. That's a big game. Nailers, Walleye, 7.15 puck drop. This is the second game between the two teams in two weeks. It's a big game. Atlanta travels to Florida to battle the Everblades, 7.30 puck drop Eastern. Savannah hosts the Orlando Solar Bears, 7.30 Eastern puck drop. 7.35 puck drop, the Allen Americans take on the Cincinnati Cyclones. And it's Idaho traveling to Utah to battle the Grizzlies, 7.10 puck drop Mountain Time, which is 9.10 Eastern. Saturday slate, Norfolk is in Travolse to battle the Lions. Newfoundland is hosting Maine. 605 puck drop South Carolina hosting Orlando. Atlanta is in Florida to battle the Everblades. Savannah is hosting the Iceman. Greenville is in Wooster to battle the Railers. The Fish will run after the game against Wheeling will welcome in the Indianapolis Fuel for a 715 puck drop for that one. The Memorial Stadium in Fort Wayne will host the Allen American 730 puck drop for that one. And a 705 puck drop Central Time 805 Eastern. Rapid City is in Tulsa to battle. The Oilers Sunday slate Adirondack is in Reading, Kalamazoo is in Iowa, Orlando is in South Carolina, Wheeling is in Indy, Rapid City is in Tulsa, Kansas City is in Wichita, and Idaho is in Utah to battle the Grizzlies. And that is the slate of games for this weekend. The next games after that will be played until the 23rd of November. As Newfoundland will be in Adirondack, Florida will be in Jacksonville, Iowa is in Kalamazoo, Rudding is in Maine, Greenville is in Orlando, Wooster is in, Norf in Norfolk, Indy is in Wheeling, the Fish will travel to Cincinnati the night before Thanksgiving to battle the Cyclones, Tulsa is in Wichita, Kansas City is in Rapid City, and Allen is in Idaho to battle the Steelheads. There is a few games on Thanksgiving. Greenville is in Orlando. Noon puck drop for that one. Savannah's in Atlanta. And Cincinnati is in Fort Wayne for a 7.30 puck drop for that one. The Fish will then be at home the next night, the day after Thanksgiving, to take on the Fort Wayne Comets for a 7.15 puck drop for that one. So there is that for you guys tonight. Standings look like this. It's a little early to give you the standings. But right now in the Central Division is led by the Cincinnati Cyclones, who are 7-1-0-1 with 15 points. Indy 6-3-1-0 with 13 points. Fort Wayne 4-4-1-1 with 10 points. Wheeling, uh, uh, the Walleye, excuse me, 4-3-0-1 with 9 points. Wheeling 4-6-0-0 with 8 points. Kalamazoo is 3-5-1-0 with 7 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders are 1-7-1 with only 3 points. So there is the walleye roundup for you guys here tonight. Uh, notes on around the East Coast Hockey League are as follows. There was a trade that made place today. As Ryan Pedrou, the goaltender, was acted off of injured reserve, they have traded him to Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne is act, adding Ryan Pedrou, adding 
to the roster. He also added Benjamin Ganche off of active reserve and have deleted Louis Riel forward, placed him on reserves. So there is that for you. Uh, game, looking here, there's no updates for Wheeling, so Wheeling looks good to go for tomorrow night's game right here at the Bank Take. 7-15 puck drop at the Bank Take. I will be there at the game. We'll have our second period intermission report on our Facebook account. Stay around and enjoy it. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. As you are, like I said, they'll play Wheeling on Friday, Indy on Saturday, Cincinnati on Wednesday, and then they'll play Fort Wayne on the day after Thanksgiving. So there is that for you. As you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever, wherever and whenever you're listening, Thank you for tuning in, and now let's continue on. We have a couple more sub- subjects left to do before we hit to all to the Andy rants tonight. So I do apologize for it being a long episode, but after all, Bowling Green did beat Toledo, forty-two to thirty-five. So now it's time to talk some other sports, of course. Right now, as we are into the final tournament of the 2022-2023. Uh, excuse me, 2021 2022 LPGA season. As they are playing for the CNE Group Tournament Championship down there in Naples, Florida. As right now, the leaderboard going into round two looks like this Lydia Ko is running in the top spot at seven under par. Danielle Kang is in tie for second with Anna Kanakan at six under par. Ho Jung Kim at five under par. Uh, Bray Ruder, uh, Dryberg is at four, five under par, tied for fourth. Brooke Henderson tied for sixth at four under par with Nellie Corda, Megan King, uh, Kim, Amy Yang, Anna Northquist, and Sarah Schuber as well. Yona McGuire tied for 13th right now at three under par with Stacey Lewis, Nasa Hadakoro, as well as Andrea Lee and uh, Lydia View, as well as Naha Ra'an. Uh, Laura Salas and Sarah Swartzel is at 200 par. Jin Lee Six is at 200 par. And Castron is at 200 par. Minji Lee tied for 23rd at 100 par with the following players. Celine Boutier, Charlie Holm, uh, Sandstrom, Gabby Lopez, Georgia, Georgia Hall, Paula Ritu, Kopez, Ewing, Lee, Haragai, Jagundin, all tied for 23rd at one under par at even par right now. Jody Ayer standoff. Young uh, Jin Young Ko. Uh, Alin Kim. Im Hee Ji. Carolyn Masson. Jennifer Kupcho. And Tanatin is at one over par. Tied for 41st. With Cheyenne Knight. Mira Alex. Chella Choi. Lexi Thompson. Tied for 48th at two over par. In Ji Chung. Two over par. Hannah Green, as well as Sabaro, Shibaro at two over par with Stark, as well as Jerry Garnadin. Tied for 54th at three over par is uh, Hajin Choi, Yuka Sasso, uh, as well. And then Ryan O'Toole, six over par. 
It's only a, a small field. It's only a small field. 60 players made this cut because it's all tournament winners. By the way, Brooke Henderson goes off with at 11.50 with Nelly Corda at 4 under par. Brooke at 4 under par with also, let's see, 11.50 on the other player that goes off at 11.50. Nope, that's it. Those are the only two that go off at 11.50. Brooke Henderson and Nelly Corda at the noon, uh, 12.40, Lydia Ko and Anna Kinnera at 12.40. Danielle Kang with uh, Dreyberg at 12.30. 12.20, we'll see Hojo Kim with Norquist as well. So it's a 60-player field. This is the final tournament in the LPGA for the race for the CME Globe going, going on. And it's the final, final LPGA event. And then we will get into the 2023 slate later. Later on, down the road. And now those those tournaments will be announced once we get past the new year. So there's that for you guys right here on All Andy Alfred. Uh, also got to make mention of this as well. Uh, the FIFA World Cup getting ready to start. Group play will start on Sunday, 11 a.m. as Qatar will host Ecuador. Monday slate. United States plays at 2 o'clock on Fox against Wales. England faces Iran at 8 a.m. And 11 a.m. on Fox is Seagal in the Netherlands. Argentina kicks off, uh, sets the kickoff at 5 a.m. on FS1. They'll take on Saudi Arabia. Poland will host, will be the home team against Mexico. France and Australia. Denmark and Tunisia. Belgium will play Canada on Wednesday, 2 o'clock kick on Fox, Spain and Costa Rica at 11 a.m. And at 8 a.m. will be Germany and Japan. Uh, Monte Carlo uh, will take on Croatia at 5 a.m. The United States will play on Friday, 2 o'clock kick against England. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Well, since we're getting ready for the FIFA World Cup as well. College basketball upset. Today, of course, Myrtle Beach Invitational taking place. 24th-ranked Texas A&M falls to Murray State, 88-79. Kentucky, a 106-63 win over SC State. Uh, 20th-ranked Michigan falls to Arizona State tonight, 87-62. That's an upset right there. Um, I wanted to do a quick Mid-American Conference for you guys. Mid-America, here we go. Slate for tonight. Uh, Georgia Tech beats Northern Illinois 68-50. Minnesota beats Central Michigan 68-60. And Marshall a 95-69 win over Miami of, of Ohio. Uh, Buffalo plays Drake tomorrow. Western Michigan plays Houston Christian. Uh, Bowling Green plays in the Gotham Classic. It's a campus game at St. Bonaventure. 2 o'clock tip for that one. Uh, the University of Toledo doesn't play again. In men's basketball until Monday, 11 a.m. as the Gulf Coast showcases they take on Kansas City. So there's that for you guys. Bowling Green, the men's team travels to Notre Dame to play the Irish. That's a good. That, that's gonna be cool. 
That's going to be cool to see. So there's that for you guys. Um, other notes, of course, golf taking place right now. Men's tournament-wise, the RSM Classic taking place. Cole Hammer, top spot at 8 under par. Ben Griffin, 7 under par. Justin Sue at 6 under par. Bu Halser, 6 under par, as well as Caleb Terran at 6 under par as well, too. Also, pay mention to this, uh, Pro Wrestling AEW's pay-per-view will be taking place this upcoming weekend. The big match, of course, is John Moxley taking on MJF. Swerve in our glory takes on the acclaimed. Uh, you also have a, a fatal four-way for the Ring of Honor Television Championship, which was between Claudio Castioli, Brian Danielson, Sammy Guevara, and the champion Chris Jericho. So there's that. A uh, good slate for that right there to sink your teeth into to get ready for Survivor Series, which will be next weekend on Peacock and on the WWE app. As you're listening to all Andy offered tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now we have finally hit the end of our program tonight. Down time for Andy Rants. Now time for Andy Rants. And if you've made it through all of everything through this podcast, this long two-hour-plus podcast, I want to thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning into the show tonight and being a part of this. And if you haven't liked and subscribed, liked our page and subscribed to our podcast, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on the Anchor Network. And we have hit the end of the program. It's now time for Andy Rants. It's a two-part Andy Rants tonight. Actually, a three-part, two-part, well, it's three-part, three-part Andy Rants tonight. And we're going to start first and foremost with the Battle of I-75, of course. The talk after the game was this. Not about how good both teams performed and not how both teams played. It was the fact that this game was played on a Tuesday night instead of a week uh, Saturday night where it should be played. And I totally agree with Dave Briggs' comments and column that he wrote today in the, in the Toledo Blade. I think this series and this game should be played on a Saturday sometime in the middle of the max season, not at the end. It's always been a tradition that they played at the end of the season. If we, you have Bowling Green, Toledo on a Friday, and then Saturday you would play Ohio State, Michigan. And lately it's just been moving up to the first game of the season in 2020 when the, when the coronavirus was taking place to in 2019 being the first MAC game for both schools to now being the second to last game for all of us this past season. I think, in my personal opinion, I think that this rivalry between Bowling Green and Toledo should be played, should be played on a Saturday for both communities. And it should be played Saturday night so that both communities can have a full day of either tailgating for the businesses that they can make money and what have you. Because after all, I mean, the only problem I have is that if you make this game a Saturday night game during the regular college football season, you might lose 
those fans to the Michigan, to a Michigan game, to an Ohio State game, to a Notre Dame game. So I understand what they're getting at for the being during the week, just for ratings as well as for exposure for both universities. But at the same time, I think a weekend should be great. You know, I think it would be awesome if they could play when both Michigan and Ohio State are playing their non-conference schedules. Because you know that and they're playing the cupcake teams. So that means that if you're playing them the fourth game of the of the MAC season or the first game of the MAC play, fourth game of the season, I mean, I can understand that. I can understand that clearly. So, but I, I, I like where the rivalry is at now. I like where we're going. I hope we can continue this because, after all, Bowling Green did beat Toledo. And they beat him. They beat him this year. And I, I will still talk about this to this day. Where were you at on the 15th of November, 42-35? That's all I have to say about that. Issue number two. Of course, we're now coming into the holiday season. And then I want to remind everybody, you know, to be, you know, relax. Be calm. Don't be stressed out. I know if the turkey is not going to be defrosted or if you're stressed out over family members coming over or if you're, you're worried about being hypocritical towards people, take a deep breath. Relax. It all works out in the end. So take your time and relax. So... And also, be respectful to those that are in the service industry, especially this time of year, because a lot of them are under stress because they're trying to meet you, the consumer's needs. So if they, there's a certain product that's not available, if there's you know a long wait, or there's... They, just be respectful. A lot of these businesses are taking... are being cut because of their job, because of lack of staffing, you know, lack of product, just take your time, pack patience, and relax. It all works out in the end. So there's that. I close tonight with a remembrance. Um, this one's a little bit hard for me. Um, there's a gentleman that a lot of us in the Toledo School for the Arts community... Um, no, and means a lot to me in my life. You know, I, I didn't really want to talk about it on the podcast tonight, but I, I'm going to talk about it. Um, there's a gentleman from Toledo School for the Arts that has left us in this world who means a lot to us in this world. And I'm talking about Howard Walters has passed on. He was 80 years old. He died peacefully at the Willows and Tiffin. He was a great principal and a great friend and a great mentor to a lot of us at Toledo School for the Arts. Now, I understand that, you know, some people find his way of uh, discipline wrong. But, the, you know, the man was a very, very nice guy. He gave you break after break after break when it comes to situations and problems. 
And to me, he was a mentor to me into my everyday life. You know, I would see him every morning and we'd talk sports. We'd talk about sports. He, he, there was only a few of us at TSA that would talk sports. He would be one. Scott Lightfoot would be another one. May he rest in peace. Um, Tom Ulrich, Zeb Kello. There was just a few teachers and staff that would talk sports with me. Everybody else would be, you know, it would be all about the arts and all about this, that, and the other. But Howard Walters was one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He cares about, he cared about his students. He cared about the arts. I'll give you a story. My sophomore year, I was in OMEA, which is Ohio Music Educators Association. I was in a contest to sing songs, sing a song to get a grade and get a certificate and see if what I was going to be ranked. And uh, my parents found out about that. They paid for the for it to happen. And for me, I uh, found out what time I was scheduled for 3.40. Now, my parents at the same time also bought tickets to see the Blue Jackets play a hockey game that night, which is going to be a 7 o'clock puck drop. So we asked OMEA if I could move up my time to like a noon or a 12.30 right before well, the judge that was scheduled to have me the judge to schedule to have me uh, was gonna make time to do the sh- do the do it and give me my grade, and then I would be able to go to the hockey game. I did it. We did it at twelve forty. Howard and his wife Kathy showed up at the time I was supposed to perform at three forty, and they were looking for me. And then they found out that I was going to a hockey game in Columbus. And the next Monday when I showed up, they told me about it, and I was absolutely embarrassed and shocked. But they asked me how the hockey game went, and I told them that the Jackets unfortunately lost to Minnesota that night 4-1. And, you know, I did get some... That was the night... That was the weekend that I got the autograph signing and that Rick Nash decided that he had strep throat, quote-unquote, but he played the night before on the ice. I don't understand that, but it is what it is. Um, but Howard came and saw me, um, my sophomore, junior and senior year, we would do fundraisings at the Toledo Mudhen games. And I would try to do as many as I could. And Howard would do games with me and I would be his runner and he would sell the beer, pour the beer and ring up the customers. I would get the food. We were top sellers for the for the stands, for the stand between the two of us. He would shout out, ice cold beer. And I would go, hot dogs, peanuts, Cracker Jacks. Get a walk out. How about a nice, how about a nice drink of, and then I'd point to him and he'd go, ice cold beer. And he would sell the beer, you know, and his wife, Kathy, would show up and do, do it. But if I was there, he would leave his wife to have me. He would draft me to do that. Uh, it was him. It was between him and Steve North that would do it. And um, he was a nice guy. And in my office here, 
Uh, there's a plaque. It's a student of the year plaque. I got in 2008, the year I graduated. And it was one of those moments I got called down. We were at the library auditorium. And I was called down for it. And Howard Walters had the certificate in his hand. He walked up and down the row. He looked at everybody. He looked at me. He walked past me, walked up, back down, walked back towards me, walked, took two more steps back, turned around, and says, Congratulations. And the whole auditorium stood up and clapped, and I just lost it. I was crying. I was static. And he gave me a hug, and he says, Congratulations. You deserve it, bud. This man deserves a space in heaven. This man deserves a space in a lot of our hearts and a lot of our minds. Man has done a lot for, for TSA. He was railroaded out. And the man deserves to rest in peace with his beautiful wife. They're back in heaven. They're in heaven together, I hope. And I can't wait, you know... I, 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 I can't wait to share my memories with those that, you know, will always ask about him. And so I dedicate my podcast tonight to the late Howard Walters. May him and all the souls of the heavenly, of the departed, rest in peace in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy L for tonight. I hope you enjoyed this long podcast. Bowling Green gets the trophy and wins 42-35 over the University of Toledo Rockets. We'll have a sh- our podcast next Wednesday night. Hopefully Bowling Green, we're talking about Bowling Green possibly going to Detroit. Knock on wood. Knocking on wood right now. So until then, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Walleye. Get the job done. Get some wins at home. Go Falcons! Congratulations in beating the Rockets 42-35 in the Battle of I-75. Go State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Go Lions! And enjoy Detroit, Cleveland, because nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills fans. And hit them straight, because more birdies and less bogeys Because victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you on Wednesday for another edition of All Andy Alfred. I love you guys. May you rest in peace, Howie. I love you. Talk to you then.